I'm sorry I couldn't save your home. Then she says, my countrymen are stronger than you think. A few toppled clock towers won't break their spirits. They'll be back on their feet in no time. And this is when Clive says, oh, that's what you think happened? Because <laughs> the whole city is basically... <laughs> Like, maybe no one's told her yet, like, the extent of the damage. Uh, this, this city doesn't exist anymore, just so you know. Yeah. I mean, Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kason. This is our Final Fantasy 16 analysis, and we left off after Twinside was destroyed by Bahamut and... The DBZ fusion of <laughs> Ifrit and Phoenix. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was fun. That was good. Yep. Good stuff. They fought in space. The city is destroyed. Uh, Joshua and Clive's mother slit her own throat. Uh, yep, she's out. Freaking uh, Ultima casted primogenesis. Yes. Dion is alive still. He's been taken yeah, back to I the... I didn't think he was alive. After that cutscene, I was pretty sure he died. He so. survived. What a and shock. he's sleeping at the hideaway. Yeah. Um, so that's where we left off last time. Now uh, we're going to continue on. We probably will get up to the point today where you fight the king of Walud for the second time in the ocean. And he splits the freaking sea in half with his yes. sword, which was sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll probably play up to about or talk up to about that point, and then next time we'll get into Ash itself. So, uh, okay. So, my first note here is about this scene between Barnabas and Ultima uh, back in in Ash. I guess um, okay, it's Walud. It's Walud. Yeah, Walud is the majority um, of Ash. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ultima is like manipulating him here. Um. So he appears first as Benedicta, and then he like becomes Kupka, and then he turns into Ultima, and so he's like mm. talking to him, but like it's clear he's sort of appearing as I don't I don't know because it, it's I'm not sure what to make of this scene. I think you said the same thing. Like I'm yeah. not sure what Ultima is doing by appearing as all these different people. Yeah, yeah, because. Barnabas already believes Ultima is a god right, and is like, like faithful to him. Yeah, like yeah. I don't see the need to disguise himself as other people. It was for us to see that, I guess. I, I still don't understand also how Ultima is not trapped in the Phoenix and he can just appear places. It's a little confusing. There is one line we'll get to a little later that I think can clarify that a bit. Okay. But I'm still, again, this is all going back to my whole thing of I don't understand how Ultima's powers work. Oh, so right, I, yeah. I just don't really get it, like, but, but yeah, there's some key dialogue to go over here. Okay. So men, you are as meek as all the others, he says, as Benedicta, gifted the power of icons, yet slaves to fickle emotions, which usher you to your doom. Those darn emotions. It's, it's the emotions, dude. And so you bind your fragile wills with strands of consciousness. The wretched handiwork of a wretched people, says Barnabas back to him, then back to Ultima. The sons of fire were united at last, and for but a moment their flame burned bright. Soon Mythos, or Muthos, Muthos. shall become our perfect vessel. And then Barnabas says, and then shall the world be remade. And then Ultima says, not and before. That's, that's primogenesis, by the way. Yes, right. 
Not before the bonds are severed, the bonds of consciousness. Yes. Of trust, of respect, of love. Only when every strand of consciousness is cut away, may Miothos return to our side. <laughs> By primogenesis shall this be done. Mankind shall be rid of his wretchedness and Miothos of his will. But while he yet clings to it, he has the power to forge bonds anew. And so we bid you find Miothos and sever everyone. And so, I mean, the fact that he's Odin and that he has yeah. the capability of basically cutting through anything. He is, severs bonds. Right. Yeah, that's he's, symbolic. Yeah. He's the uh, prime candidate for this particular cast yes. or, or uh, task. There is nothing your black blade cannot cut, Odin. We shall unite with Muthos and bring forth a new world so long as our vessel remains unclaimed by humanity. And then Barnabas says, it shall be done, master, my will is yours. And then it's almost like as a reward for that, as a reward for his loyalty to do this, Ultima transforms into like the image of his mother. Yeah. And he like lays in her lap. Well, this seems to me uh, like a clear reference to the Oedipus complex as uh, put forth by Freud. Barnabas has the opportunity to reunite with his mother through Ultima. That Ultima is the one that is providing this opportunity to Barnabas uh, that he wants. And that that is the reason for his unfailing loyalty to Ultima. Now, the game proper doesn't really say anything about his mother. <laughs> Yeah. But in the ATL, it does. Of course. So, and I've got some background on this pulled up here. So, apparently, Barnabas's mother was a follower of a religion called the Circle of Malleus, mm. which is something we'll be getting more into with uh, when Joshua goes with Clive to Tabor. Oh, to Tabor. And they have, like, the mural that's, like... Right. kind of like not complete and he's yeah, describing right. how this used to be a dominant religion and now mm -hmm. we don't really know anything about it anymore but apparently uh barnabas's mother was one who followed this particular religion this circle of malleus an ancient religion that worshiped ultima however due to their beliefs being viewed as heresy she ended up being killed by members of a rival religion this event seems to have been in, uh, seems to have instilled a great hatred towards humanity within Barnabas, and forced to flee to Valisthea in order to avoid similar persecution, setting the trajectory of his life. Um, would have been great to have seen that. Yeah, and that's not very interesting. Read that in, in <laughs> <laughs> Would have been great motivation for a, for for a villain, yeah. which I think is very oh, important. Oh, very much so. To understand uh, it's why. It's strange that. A religion that existed that recently and who this dude's mom was part of it, but then it's like we know nothing about it. Yeah, maybe I, in it's ash, that sounds more ancient. Maybe in ash it, it's just there's there was little remnants contact of between it, the two. But like in storm nobody has okay. but I don't know. Like you're saying, these two continents have been in pretty regular contact, I would assume trade for quite a long time. For a long time. That's the that's the one thing that I'll continue to come back to in this episode too. I really don't have a strong grasp of how large these continents are. Me neither. They, they Me seem neither. to make decisions about, I'm going to go back here and then over here as if you can it's traverse that much. in like a day. Oh, I heard something about Australia given as like an example 
of the I think size. in the comments or somewhere that, yeah, that what we're looking at between the two of them is something along the lines of Australia. Oh, like combined. Yeah. The two of them combined. I like believe it's two combined. Yes. Yeah. That's what I think. Okay. Um, still, you know. I guess it's it's interesting growing up in the United States, which is a very large country yeah. in comparison to, say, even like European countries, which yeah, are yeah, yeah. generally much smaller. Well, you could like cross your own country and... yeah. I don't know how long if you were to walk or... Oh, if you were walking, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, a couple weeks or weeks, something like that. Luxembourg might just take a day or two. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, like, walking across America, it would be freaking, like, crazy. That's um, insane. Yeah. And, you know, people did it. I'm not, I'm not did, saying it's impossible. It I'm just saying months, it's months a long months freaking time to do day. that. Yeah. So, anyways, like, but the decision-making on, like, like, at the end of the episode, we'll get to this part where it's like, okay... The Ein Harriar, the the ship yeah. of of Odin has has sank. They it's won't attack name. Storm for a while. We're right. good to like go back to the hideaway and then come all the way back, say all the way back to Ash again later, as yeah. if like these kinds like of journeys are not day, a big deal. Couple hours, or yeah. like um, even going into what we'll talk about next time, Joshua and. Clive and Gav just gonna like walk across Ash, the blighted areas of yeah, Ash to when get I to Wabu. I think Wabu. about that, that's. It's, I mean, you'd need a weeks. ton of supplies for that, I would think. Yeah. Unless yeah. it's like, oh, you can walk that far in like three or four days. Okay. <laughs> you know? So I just, I don't really understand the size or the time it takes to go from place to place. Yeah. Even like uh, when they hear that canvas being attacked and they're like okay what's the quickest road there right and they're and they tell gav by a stolas just like hang out and don't leave stay where you are yeah, we're coming right, yeah. but like how many days does it take them to go from the hideaway to canver yeah i have no clue like the time <laughs> the passage of time between scenes i have no clue like how long it's been since the five-year time true. skip for instance and it's given, really hard to given make what it out. we've done and how much time it would take to do these things, um, you would think it'd be turning winter soon or something, or something like that. Right? Um, yeah, this we're talking we're talking months in terms of just travel time. Yeah, and that's to say nothing of all the fast traveling here and there and back here and there and back <laughs> I here know, and there right? and back here and there well, over and over and over. This, it might have been years. <laughs> side quests that you have to go on and go back up here to Martha's Rest and then over here to the freaking this place. Yeah. And, um, the Australia Across thing the may be incorrect, but that's what I've heard. It certainly doesn't feel that big. Uh, we got some people talking here. Tough Ham says, I recall an NPC from the Order of the Phoenix, the folks that serve Joshua, which we'll talk about today, commenting that many years ago a taboo group was driven away from Valisthea. I took that group to be the Circle of Malleus, but it wasn't clear just how long ago that was. This same NPC said that the Order of the Phoenix is not unique. Other icons have their own cult groups. That's interesting because right, each god. I mean, that makes Joshua sense. talks about this religion as if it has been lost to time. Yeah, and it's like thirty yeah. years ago, maybe, and yeah. like this dude's mom was part of it, and they're all there's probably still people <laughs> alive who like remember it and were part of and it, and there are actual like surviving yeah tapestries. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, certainly. So, I was thinking a thousand years. That's what I was thinking. That's so what this, when they say ancient. That's yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. Not to get too caught up in the weeds on all that. It's just I have some questions. See what people in the comments say about all that. So, back of the hideout. Uh, Joshua and Dion are being tended to by Taria. The skies are all overcast now. You have people like NPCs in the, um, 
in the hideaway who are saying things like mothers save us as in the mother crystals. Right, and then yeah, someone yeah. says might be hard now that there's only one. And then another one says, then we're all doomed. And I'm just thinking, do these people not realize the, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that Clive and everyone, they're like destroying these mother crystals on purpose. So they're talking as if like, oh, mother and, crystals and, save us. And who, who, who said that? Who is <laughs> saying like that? Like NPCs at the hideaway said What? There then? Yeah. It's possible that nobody knows what we're doing. I, 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 is this like possible. a secret? I would think everybody there knew that the whole mission and goal was to destroy the Mother Crystals. Maybe they didn't tell anybody. That's what it's possible. But they like, didn't tell anyone. Every time Clive goes away, there happens to be another Mother Crystal <laughs> that gets destroyed. <laughs> like. But once again, the time, you know, you just don't make that connection. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they're doubting all of this now. It's like, oh, things seem to be getting worse. Yes. Which was kind of everything Sid was saying. It's like things will get way worse before they get better if you right. take this path. Yeah, yeah. So I could see that as a possibility. Um, um, when this happened, um, and I can't remember who says this, but I have this quote here that says, And on the sixth day the gods did tear the sun from the firmament, visiting darkness upon their prideful sons and daughters. Was this from, um, what's his name? Ha, uh, uh, Tomes? Yeah, Tomes. Tomes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is it basically th that's relevant to what's happening right here. Um, but what's really interesting is that the sixth day, like we're talking about the days of, I would assume days of creation. Yeah. But it seems like these are days of destruction. Yeah, something like that. Right? It seems mm -hmm. like God is taking away things, tearing the sun away from the firmament, visiting darkness upon the sons and daughters. Um, it Maybe the doesn't sixth quite day, feel like the a sixth creation. day of the war between man and the gods. Yeah, but or something this is like clearly that. meant to parallel Genesis. Though, yeah, right? yeah, that's what I'm. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying the sixth day is in the literal sixth day as much as like the uh, a time period or age or season of right. war with the with the I don't know something like that. That's possible, but that so it's funny. Ah, just, I, I I read this multiple different ways, and it's like okay, maybe the first five days were creation, and then the sixth day was like, oh crap, I gotta like undo <laughs> some of my creation. But then then the creation was five days, anyways. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you go talk to Otto, and oh, he and basically then, says that you need to talk to Tomes. Yeah. You need to you talk go. to Vivian to get like a better idea of what you do next. I'm not yeah, a planning Vivian, guy. By the way, I I. I want to keep my encounters with her to a minimum. She is the <laughs> the worst character in the game by far, hands down, hands freaking down. My goodness. I, I I know what you mean. I, I I don't I don't feel quite as strongly about it, but it is it's, interesting it's, it's, that they play her later. off as this exceptionally like intelligent sort of strategist, and like everything she says is just obvious. As balls. <laughs> it's just so, like, duh. <laughs> uh, and I, I've, yeah. and again, <laughs> maybe I, 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 I prelude all of this by saying Final Fantasy 16 is a pretty good game. I don't hate this. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> generally speaking, I do like the I, game too. I feel like around this time, around the, this time forward in the story, I have begun to feel more and more like the dialogue while like well written in in sort of a flow sense mm. and a sort of a consistency sense yeah, yeah like the prose is nice it feels like a little bit hollow like they're kind of just like 
repeating platitudes or saying things that sound mm, lofty right. or important, but like underneath it, there's they're not really saying much of any substance. You know, um, and that becomes very uh, Vivian's character is especially that. Yeah, she gives a hint later on. I should probably just bring it up later when it happens, but. Um, you know, when the characters end up going to a new place. Um, but she's like, that was so easy. Uh, oh my gosh. Like my intelligence is wasted on you people. It was something <laughs> along those lines. And then Clive's like, of course. And like, he's, he's just like totally cool with it. He just like grovels at her feet and she is just the worst. Okay. Let's keep going. Um, so anyway, let's see what was my line here. I took down. Oh, she's from, Oh wait, did I go too far here? No, no, no. She's she's from Twinside. So ah, okay. her city was destroyed by in that Bahamut battle, right? Mm, and so when Clive comes to her, he says, um, I'm sorry we couldn't save your home, you know. She's like, how is it that every one of your little excursions presages some inexplicable catastrophe? Does she not know we're destroying the crystals either? <laughs> Does no one know? It's <laughs> a good question. Maybe nobody knows. I, I didn't even think of that possibility until you just now brought it yeah, up. Yeah, maybe they're, they're not telling people. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm sorry I couldn't save your home. Then she says, my countrymen are stronger than you think. A few toppled clock towers won't break their spirits. They'll be back on their feet in no time. And this is when Clive says, oh, that's what you think happened? Because the whole city is basically... <laughs> Like, maybe no one's told her yet, like, the extent of the damage. This, this city doesn't exist anymore, just so you know. Yeah, I mean, everyone's dead. I mean, the uh, the big spires are still there. We do get a view of it when Dion goes back. We do back a little bit a little later, bit yeah. later but Oh, and it looks it's, horrific. It, it looks I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's in pretty bad shape. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know if anyone told you this, but. It's, it's being rebuilt is not like a, a couple month process. This is like yeah. a years long thing it's like a rebuild the whole foundations kind of deal but yep. um okay so what she says here is beneath these darkened skies fear and confusion reign over valisthea oh the lands around the fallen mother crystals had already begun to uh wilt for want of ether uh but mm. not like this so she's saying that when the mother crystals are destroyed those lands wither more which again i if i were clive <laughs> Do, do we gotta? I can't. I have to look at you, but that that gif is right there. I, <laughs> I wish people could see what we're looking at from our comment section. By the way, if you want to join us live on these, uh, yeah. check out our Patreon, or you can join memberships here on YouTube, where we got a subscribe star. Three different yes, that's right. uh, ways you can do that. Check out the. The ten dollar level, you can come watch these live and comment and, and be with us. But people and distract us while chat we're trying with to us do a serious podcast. Then, people, yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so mm. uh, so the lands are withering even when the yeah. mother crystals are destroyed. This would cause me personally to question whether or not you know Sid was right in his assumption. But yeah, exactly. Um, crystals that filled wells and fueled furnaces are now on I and mean, she's talking about the the little crystals people have too yeah those yeah. are also no longer working right um and those that hang from the people's necks cast an area glimmer of light uh, to keep the darkness at bay it's only a matter of time before the common folk convince themselves that the end of days is upon us i, I like that uh rob over here said that this weather is like every day in Manchester. Like, <laughs> it doesn't really look all that we menacing don't, to me. <laughs> we don't see the sun. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, you know, you have like say. I mean, again, I still don't know what they're going to do with this red star next to the moon. 
I was almost, I was really convinced that was going to be like a fallen meteor, like an FF7 style kind mm, of thing. Right. Because um, it orbits with the moon. It's clearly not a star. Otherwise yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's like Beetlejuice or something. No, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a thing on the moon. Like, what yeah, is it? Right. Um, and so okay. when this spell was cast, I thought, oh, it's going to start growing larger. It's going to start, you know, yeah. coming down. But it's really, it's just, it got cloudy. <laughs> yes. Quite <laughs> different. Primogenesis is just, uh, you know, it's just cloudy now. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I fear the, a swift end is more than we could hope for. While most of the world thirsts for ether, the remainder drowns in it, spawning in a Kashuk drove. So we're having ether floods in other places. I guess that yeah. could be a result of the crystals being destroyed too. And amidst the hordes of mindless beasts with magics as like to fail as function, even the strongest nation would falter. Rosaria and the Iron Kingdom teeter on the brink of collapse. While the tragedy in Twinside has all but paralyzed the Holy Empire, Dalmachia fares a little better. Rumor has it the ministers fled to uh, fled the capital after the fall of Drake's Fang. It's revealed later they're hiding out in Canver now, hmm. um, leaving their beloved people in the Republic to crumble. Walud, meanwhile, moves in earnest. The Arnheriar, which is the ship, has been sighted off storm. The world, in short, is in chaos. It would seem our civilization has nothing but a ca- was nothing but a castle of sand to be washed away at the whim of the waves. So... Uh, this is true of all civilizations, actually. It's, yep. It doesn't take a lot, really, forever. to yeah. topple them. It's kind of everyone just has to agree that it's working <laughs> in order for it to work. <laughs> well, that's trust. And look past. A, a, a civilization founded on trust where everyone's, everyone agrees on the same kind of things. Yeah. Um, as people lose trust in each other and that, that um, just connection starts to break. Falls apart. It's pretty Very short time. Flimsy. Yeah. yeah. And that's... um. That's what I say. Every every civilization is one generation away from collapse. Collapse, right. And if, if any generation just drops the ball, it's like, you're all done. It's, it's over. over. Yeah. Uh, so she leaves off by saying, should the king of Walud deign to invade, there would be none to stop him. So, And then Clive's, hmm, none but us. So um, this would be the time for Walud to invade if they wanted to do that. There's no, no right. one to stop them at this point. Yeah. So now we go, well, I went to speak to Tom's next case. You could do this in any order. Um, I liked this line. It doesn't take a court astrologer to augur the obvious. As for what has disturbed the heavens, that I believe is a question for the, or the fallen might be a better place. Uh, ah. Is a question the fallen might be better placed to answer than I. And on the sixth day did the gods tear the sun from the firmament, visiting darkness upon their prideful sons and daughters. But I dare say you remember your childhood lessons on the sins of Dismechis? Is that how they pronounce that? I forget. Zemechis. 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 Only too well. And Clive's, well, you think they're connected? Uh, that Ultima was the one of the gods responsible? And he says, well, he has certainly exhibited powers that we mortals would associate with the divine. And then Clive says, there's nothing divine about him. <laughs> and I liked this retort, too. Ah, but he wouldn't be the first god of whom that could be said. Now, yes. Would he? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's hilarious, by yeah, the way. It's great stuff. It's wonderful, actually. I, I could dissect that conversation, but maybe another time. Okay. Yet for all the fairy tales that tell of the sins, there is almost nothing in the way of actual historical accounts. Had I the journal of Moss the Chronicler... I may be able to tell you more, but alas, I fear all remaining copies have been lost to time. You will forgive me, I hope. And Clive says, certainly not, because there's nothing to forgive. Even though, in general, you've been a beast. 
So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> then you go back to talk to Oh, Otto. but one of the other things that Clive says, because they're talking about these old gods, right? And, uh, oh, you know, the these gods are not divine, that whole thing. Uh, but then Clive, um, he wonders, is Ultima one of those old gods, mm-hmm. right? Speaking of the old gods of the past. Uh, but then he says there's nothing divine about him, right? But he, he's wondering about whether or not Ultima has been, like, involved in this for a very, very long time mm, yeah. instead of, like, a recent... Yeah. Thing which which is, you know Ultima seems to be more recent, especially since Arpocrates finds nothing about him. Yep. In the history books, except for the fact that Joshua believes the image in the tapestry. Yeah. At the top is Ultima. But yep. Um, <clears throat> go back to talk to Otto, and he tells you, "Oh no, all of our friends across the realm are being attacked by a Kashuk, and you have to go save them." Yep. So, so the I team and yeah. almost no notes Martha. from this part. But uh, you go to Martha's see. Rest, you go to Northreach, you go to uh, Dalamil, and you solve problems for them, and you fight off the Akashic, and you know whatever. Um, in Dalamil, like there's these two. Wait, is this the part? It might be later than I this, think that's a little where bit later. they're arguing about. Oh, how should we handle the bandits nearby? I think that's a little bit later. Anyway. You go back multiple times over the yeah. next couple of chapters and help these people and or not. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you skip them. Yeah. Well, no, these are these are mainline story sequences. You well, have the to one with these. Martha, because, yeah, some of this yeah. does have bearing in what happens a little bit later. Some of them are side quests later. But anyway, I took no notes on any of that. I just found it to be kind of filler. Nope. Just we killed a bunch of stuff. Yep. And you just, it's just, yeah, yeah, you just fight. Although Oscar wants to be our Esquire. He's oh, Murdoch's that's right. kid. That's right. right. That's right. So that's when right. we go back and see Sir Wade, right? Uh, one of the people that fights with Sir Wade is a person named Oscar who was Murdoch's kid. And if you don't remember Murdoch, he was from the very beginning of the game. He was um, the one who we were like fencing against, right? Yes. In the town. Right. And he was like the chief of security how what would you, what would the, you call lord him lord commander the, the lord Army commander order. but he was like he um was charged with the safety of the king and the prince right yeah right so it's his son who is seeking to become uh, clive's esquire and it, originally when the when oscar asks i'm like no why would clive take an esquire that's that's yeah, so dumb right. but clive feels quite indebted uh, to murdoch and feels kind of bad because it's probably him who killed murdoch right so he accepts him on, although we don't really see him again. So, do you know what's up with that? It's what's his, up with those it, uh, Esquire? Tough, thing? tough. Ham is saying it's Murdoch's nephew, not his. Son. Oh, I thought it was Murdoch's son. It's Murdoch's yeah, nephew. His nephew. Okay. I guess he didn't have any children himself. But do you I know see. what's funny is I had completely forgotten about this character because he literally never appears again. I thought he was a new addition to our party. Oh, I, I thought so. I too. was like, oh, sick! We're getting a big party, <laughs> like every FF game ever. Uh, no, we aren't actually. We are. Well, we got a few people. We got like four. Yeah. Five sometimes if Gab comes along. And so, like, I was like, oh, cool. Like, he's going to be uh, Clive's new squire, and we'll get more interactions with him and more of a connection to Murdoch. And then, yeah, I don't, he, I mean, I'm, I, I'm supposing he is there in the hideaway somewhere. Okay, somewhere. Just, I haven't come across him. I, I haven't either. totally forgot about this character <laughs> after this. Just well, completely forgot. He, he's, uh, he's studying our ways from a distance. Yeah. <clears throat> which he could have done without our permission. Anyway, after you do all that, Oh, by the way, yes, now we're in Dalimil, is where I showed up. And oh, the yeah. Red Wings is a mercenary guild. Oh, yeah. They're called the, the, Red, Wings. the Red Wings. I thought yeah. that was fun. That's an FF4 reference for yep. anybody who didn't catch that. Um, and then uh, we, <laughs> hooray, we solved their problems. 
And then there was a line there, uh, nothing unites, or maybe this is my own note, nothing unites quite like a common enemy. Yep. yep. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's the issue with Dalamil, Yep. is that they, they all needed a common enemy, so they have one now. Is this so. where you go around and you start pretending like you're other people and like Jill does a good job acting? Yes, and, and Clive, Clive's Clive does a acting, bad job yeah. at acting. Yes, that was you, it. You're trying to convince yeah. like Conrad and the girl to like put aside their differences and work together or whatever. Yeah, yeah. that was it. <clears throat> That's basically what these quests are. So then you go back to the hideaway, and Joshua has woken up. Yes, that's right, yes. So you go in to talk to him. He says it was not Sylvester, the emperor, but Olivier who served as Ultima's puppet. And when Dion learned yeah. of this, he sought to slay the fiend, only for his father to take the spear that would have freed him. Enough to drive a man to madness. And Clive says, small yeah, that wonder. Would suck yeah. really bad. Clive says, small wonder he mm. hasn't stirred. I would be afraid to wake. So Dion is there, but he and, hasn't woken and up. And this yet. is where I learned that Dion survived Still at all. And I'm like, what? He, he didn't die? I was so positive he died. That was a good death, too. And yeah. the way that his father showed up and, like, he reached for his father. It looked and it just like his father's like, ghost was accepting him. Yeah, welcoming him to yeah. the halls of the great kings of the dead, right? Yeah. Mm, apparently not. Um, so then... Oh, he, and then I wrote, the Kingdom Hearts parallels run deep because Dion didn't <laughs> die. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Clive asks Joshua what he knows about Ultima, mm. and uh, he says, Very little, I'm afraid, despite my best efforts. Eighteen years ago, as I lay buried beneath yeah. the rubble of Phoenix Gate, t'was not death who came for me, but another. I'm guessing Yote, or maybe... Um, Just the people the, she's the with. guy? What's his name? Yeah, Maybe but it's like the his group. name later. Yeah. The, the undying people. The undying, yeah. Um, and it was while in my rescuer's care I first heard of Ultima. I've been chasing his shadow ever since. Ultima is driven by some deep, dark purpose, and for whatever reason, it would seem you are crucial to his designs. He will stop at nothing to have you, even if that means toppling an empire. So, mm. this answers a couple of questions, actually. So, Joshua did not die at all and sort of rebirth as a phoenix like we were maybe uh, yeah. speculating at the but, beginning but of the game. But the symbolism, especially in movies and games and yeah. stories, the character doesn't have to actually die sure. for the symbolism to still hold. Like we talked a little bit about a resurrection motif in our Cowboy Bebop episode where Spike yes. falls from the building. and then. But there, there, was a, there was a resurrection motif there despite the fact Spike didn't really die and get resurrected. Yeah, right. It doesn't have to be like literal. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he just... I guess, uh, well, this happens a lot, actually, where in icon form, a dominant will, like, get the crap beat out of them, and then they'll, like, go back. They'll, like, transform back to a person yeah. again. Garuda. And, and they're, like, Benedict bleeding and stuff, but, like, yeah. not dead. So that's kind of what happened to Joshua. He, he got Dion too, yeah. messed up by Ifrit, but, but when he transformed back into a boy again. Then Ifrit stopped attacking. He was just kind of, he was just <laughs> kind of buried in rubble. Yeah, uh, and then they found him. He was still alive, so he never died in the first place. Um, <clears throat> started looking into Ultima. Clive is interested in why him, like why is Ultima chosen him? Uh, Joshua says that is one of many answers that have eluded me. Yet I am certain of this: there, it is not mere chance. You were chosen for a reason. Uh, all dominants yeah. carry with them the might of an icon, nigh limitless power. That is at once acutely limited. So he only wields fire and Shiva only ice and Titan only earth. Right. But, but Clive, Clive is different. Clive is the avatar. Yeah, right. He's the only one That's who can right. wield all eight <laughs> elements. All the elements. That is the only difference. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he's able to go and collect the powers from each of them. So that what may and the other big difference is yeah. uh, all of them, just like other bearers, pay a price. Their body, they pay a price yeah. for using their magic. And Clive does not. So that's anytime true. he doesn't, yeah. yeah anytime right. Clive primes or uses magic, he, it doesn't like petrify him that's right, the way yeah. that it does the other dominants and bearers. So that's hmm. the the other big difference. Um, uh, he says, "I've encountered that thing several times now. If it or he, as you say, needs me, why hasn't he claimed me as he did the boy?" Um, I was confused by this line. Who? What boy is he talking about? Say it again. Did I miss something? So Clive says, I've encountered that thing, Ultima, several times now. If it or he, as you say, needs me, why hasn't he claimed me as he did the boy? He claimed the boy. I, I don't know who he's talking about. He claimed a boy? I was really confused. Olivier. Olivier. Wait, okay, does so that, he's talking about does Olivier. Does that mean that Olivier was originally a real person who then got claimed by Ultima because I thought Olivier the way so, that he blew disintegrated made me think he was not real to begin with. <laughs> well, he was with. born that way. That's what I had assumed too which is I guess why I didn't consider that. Yeah. So this is huh. suggesting that Olivier was born normal and then Ultima sort of like took over his body or yeah. something at some point. But again how is he doing this yeah. if he's trapped in the Phoenix? I don't get it. His ways are not our ways. <laughs> 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 you cannot know the will of Ultima. That's <laughs> uh, freaking funny. Uh, well, if if that's sufficient, then great. Otherwise, um, okay. So that's what they're talking about. They're talking about Olivier. Olivier. Okay, that yeah. makes more sense. Though. The olive tree. Uh, so Joshua says, "Were I to hazard a guess, I'd say the two of you are somehow incompatible. His mind not properly attuned to your body. His mind, uh, yeah, Azuchi. Uh, mind awareness, spirit. Call it what you wish." but I believe Ultima to be an embodiment of the concept. So See, I thought that line was interesting. That's right. So Ultima is the embod an embodiment of the concept of mind. An awareness or spirit. Yeah. yeah. And of course, this is people of consciousness. refer to this, yes, as, yeah. as the mind-body problem, which is like, you got your physical body, you got your brain. Is your mind your brain? No, your mind is not your brain. You don't. You can't confuse the two. But can your mind exist without your brain? Doesn't no evidence that it can. But uh, the mind is a is a. When people refer to the mind, they're referring to something more abstract, something that seems to hover above the the mind, the brain, the head, the body, right? As like an identity. It's like a separate thing that's like abstract. Mm -hmm. And so, Ultima being the embodiment of the concept of mind. That's kind of hard to wrap your to wrap my head around. Um, but that would seem to suggest that Ultima doesn't have like physical manifestation, but that is whenever, uh, people see Ultima, people merely see hallucinations, which was the case with Kupka. Yeah. Um, Kupka was just seeing things. Clive didn't see what Kupka was seeing, but yeah. Ultima was manipulating through the mind, which, which can lend itself towards an, a, like a collective unconscious kind mm -hmm. of idea that they might actually be going with. We talked about last episode, yeah. um, given this fact that it's like, you know, he just kind of, he, he exists in the minds, but then he can, he can become manifest in a way that seems tangible. I think like, Ultima is really tangible though. Like, yeah, he is physically tangible. He's, his tangible body is inside of the field. There you go. So ever but since then. Whatever hmm. his mind is, his, and, and I, again, I really liked what we were talking about last week, the concept of him being like the unconscious mind. And being able to manipulate people yes, through that. That would be sweet. <laughs> but that's probably not <laughs> yeah, the case. Rob no. is saying here that 
his ability to act within Joshua will be answered by the end. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I think you're on the right track there with it being related to mind yeah. uh, and consciousness, being able to contact people through consciousness. The fact that he wants to be the only consciousness, right? He doesn't want humans to have this consciousness. He wants right. to sever that from them. So he'll be the consciousness magic. and then he directs their wills, yes. which then just makes them an extension of his body. Yes. Right. They right. just are the physical. Right. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, gosh, that's very interesting. I think that's where they're going with all this. So. Huh. Cool. Um, it is why I struggle and fail to contain him here within me. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? I mean, yeah. With every setting sun, I feel my strength wane. And though the Phoenix's flame mend the prison I have made for Ultima. So that's that he's uniquely able to do what he's doing with Ultima because yes. as Ultima tries to break out of it, the Phoenix powers can like sort of reform and the he, cage. He brings up the sun too. So every time the sun sets, like he gets weaker. But then when the sun rises, he is yeah. revivified, rejuvenated, and he mm. can go another day, right? Yeah. Um, this so could, this could be another issue. Well, I don't know if it matters whether he sees the sun or not, but like when the clouds are covering everything, oh, if it makes him weaker, I don't know if that matters, but we must find a means to bring an end to him before I meet my own. So before Joshua is killed by this, by Ultima inside of him, they need to find a way to kill Ultima. Yeah. He's only bought them time by doing this. I have one guess as to how that will happen. <laughs> Self-sacrifice of yeah, time. it's gonna. How many? <laughs> well, like so many movies. Someone, do this. someone's I gonna have to die. Yeah, uh, Clive or Joshua. Someone. Um, so Tarya comes in and informs uh, the party that an army of Akashic are at the gates of Canver now. So yep. Gavin, Mid, and Byron are all there. Hmm. So Joshua decides he he'll come with us um, because he needs to meet Yote there. That was their plan. Ta Tabor is a town nearby Canver, so if they had been separated at any point, they were meant to meet again at Tabor. So yeah. I'll come with you to Tabor and, uh, you know, reunite with my attendant. He says, my attendant was with me in the Dominion before I primed. She would have watched the battle unfold and witnessed its outcome. I trust she'll be waiting for me in Tabor where I can finally introduce you. So <laughs> he's going to finally introduce us to his, uh, his undying pals now. <clears throat> Great. So my next note is um, th there's like a billion side quests that open up here again, but um, Giotte is the next one. For yeah, me. <laughs> Clive I felt was like uncharacteristically harsh towards Joshua as they're traveling on the road to Tabor. Hmm. So the three of them are kind of finally back together again: Clive, yeah. Joshua, and Jill. And Joshua says it's like a dream: the four of us walking like we used to. And Clive's response to that is enjoying this, are you? Gavin, the others could be in danger as we speak. So it's like, dude, you know what he means. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you really think that? <laughs> so that's that really weird outburst from him that, that felt strange. Um, I'm not sure why he yeah. responded to him that way. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't think there was anything in what Joshua was saying that was in any way sort of uh, dismissive or... Um, not considerate of the danger yeah. that their friends are in or that he's not uh, concerned about that himself or anything like that. Maybe the passage of time could have helped explain this a little bit better. Um, like as far as we know, 
Clive just barely like reunited with Joshua in a way where they can actually like interact and talk. Yes. For this to happen, I get if they had been around for a while and we had some more character development and then Clive starts to like get annoyed that Joshua's just really optimistic or something. I don't know. Like maybe eventually you could develop something like that where like, oh no, Clive's annoyed. But for this to be basically, for this to come on the heels of their first interaction yeah. in 20 years, yeah. that's really strange, especially given that when, um, when Joshua turned into the Phoenix and began to fight Bahamut, um, Clive was just beside himself. I can't believe Joshua's alive. I'm I I, get to alive. Be the shield I'm his again. shield. Like he felt like he was 15 again. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm a shield. Yes, I got a job to do. I have a duty. Yeah. I know exactly what to do. I'm going right. to protect Purpose. Joshua. I couldn't do it before. Now I can do it. He goes out and he <clears throat> is so just willing to drop everything and just be the Phoenix shield again. And yeah. now, right after that, he's just like, Phoenix, you think you're all that? Like, what's your deal? You know? <laughs> And like, it feels strange. Weird. It feels strange. It was really weird. There's a couple moments like, like knock this. it off, will you? I um, I really think this could have been if this came many many scenes later. It could have yeah. been better. You had time where, and, and I mean, this is uh, I I think kind of just a general truth, right? You you reunited with someone. You have these memories, but this person has changed. Oh, totally. They're not the same anymore, and you've grown apart. But it apart takes a while to like yeah. realize, realize that. that. And like, oh, I have to get to know the new you. Yeah. You know, and that can be tough. There can be some yeah, bumps along the way. Sure. But this is like too soon for that. It yeah, seems. I agree. And also, that. Joshua hasn't changed that much. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, Clive's Clive changed has. A bit. Clive's changed. Yeah. Clive's changed a lot. Uh, Joshua, though, he's but pretty similar to his young self. Seems to be. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, it just seemed kind of yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a couple more instances of this. I mean, not only yeah um, a little bit later where where well, I'll just get to it later. We're getting there soon, <clears> actually. Yeah. So, I this is one of the few times I've taken notes on side quests. Um, there's a pretty good one here, like on the way to Tabor. There's this Dalmekian soldier who's like dying, and he was like, "We got taken, you know, off guard by this ether flood, mm -hmm. and my whole um, like regiment or platoon or whatever, like basically turned to Kashik, except for like a couple of the dudes and me, and we were fighting. And I don't know if there's any survivors or not." And so you go there, you kill all the Akashic, and there's, like, one survivor left, and he's sitting there, like, thanking you, like, for helping him and all this, and then he realizes you're Sid, and then he starts getting, like, super pissed. <laughs> he's, like, I, he, like, swears he's going to, like, come kill you in your sleep someday or something like that if you yeah, don't. Because yeah. because he challenges you to fight him right then and there. You can choose to say yes or no to that. Hmm. I chose to say no. Because, like, he doesn't know what he's dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really know who you're dealing with. Yeah, you just don't get it. Yeah. Um, and anyway, he, like, basically swears, like, I will freaking kill you someday, Sid. So I kind of liked that. It was it was, it was, was kind of a, it was well written, I feel like, this little yeah. quest. It's very short. But um, I feel like it highlighted, you know, kind of the complexity of, of a situation like that. Like yeah. your enemy, the person you've sworn to kill. Because he was one of, this soldier was not just one of the Dalmekian Republic soldiers. He was one of like the guard, the personal guard, like personal army of Kupka. So like, yeah. if, if that, the dude who killed the person you were loyal to came and saved your life, you know, what would you feel? I feel like they got that across in a pretty uh, effective way. So I liked that yeah. little cutscene, that little... um side quest there um so then when you arrive in tabor you, you're met by yote <laughs> again it, it's a little bit awkward it's like this girl kind of just walks up and both jill and clive like grab their swords like who are you <laughs> it's like 
why do you assume this person's trying to kill you? I, there's no threat made at all. We, they walked into this room and there was nobody there, it seemed. Yeah. And then the cutscene happens. Yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> like, okay, they're just jumpy. Yeah, I guess. But she, like, bows and introduces herself. She's a sworn keeper of the flame, trying to protect the keeper of the flame, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. They're, so these are all loyal servants, these undying loyal servants to the ducal throne. Um, more specifically to the heir. Yeah, uh, so Yote is a protector serving from the shadows of Rosaria. They protect and preserve the rights of ancestral communion. Um, the undying, right? Yeah. They're the ones that uh, that saved Joshua. Yes. Now, I have yes. a question, a general question about this. Did Annabella not know that the undying These people exist? exist? It's a good qu- I would think she, she would know that. She was the duchess, yeah. She seems not to have known that. <laughs> well, because unless, their, their unless goal, she just believed that the report that Joshua was dead was true. Like, he was just fetching dead. Like, gotcha. they can't, who cares if they exist? If Joshua's dead, then, like, they, they have no reason to live anymore. They have no purpose. There's no ducal heir anymore, I yes. guess. Yeah. So she just bought the fact that Joshua was dead. But, I mean, you do fair bring enough, up a good enough. question whether or not she was aware of their existence. I don't know if maybe... Um, and how they were kind they of the secret a, police watching yeah. everyone from the shadows all the time? Like, did yeah. she... If it's like how well kept a secret is that? Is this only for like the air to know that these dudes exist? Like I don't know about that. Because maybe if that's Annabella didn't know, that's a high, high up person to not know something that important. Yeah. Uh, Tough Ham is saying I don't think Annabella knew. They comment how the Undying are a well kept secret even among the nobility in Rosaria. Yes, and that's partly what I was wondering about. Um, that's crazy. If there was something going on like that that Annabella didn't know about, but yeah. Um, okay, so she says, my lord, it is as you feared. She's saying this to Joshua at this point. The vessel we spied off the coast of the Crystalline Dominion on the night of her fall, it is, or was, the Harriar, beyond mm. all doubt. And, and Joshua says, the black galleon. And then Clive's black response, galleon. Joshua, the Harriar is the royalist flagship. What business would they have at the Dominion? And I'm just going like, Clive, <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lude has been at fetching war with the Empire for like decades here <laughs> over uh, disputed land, fertile yeah, land yeah. in which to like live because the blight, like what the fetch are you talking about? <laughs> you were just told this, <laughs> yeah. uh, that at any time now, it's like primed for Walud to come and invade. And he's like, wait a minute, why would the Inheriar be there, Joshua? He's <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> what the freaking dude, are you listening to anything? Anyone has said in this whole game, uh, by the way, Ein <laughs> <laughs> Heriar means army of one. They are the souls of Valhalla who fought and died in battle. Only the bravest were chosen. Um, and a black galleon. Of course, the word galleon means just like a ship. Um, yeah. But Ein Heriar. Yeah, pretty sweet name. I like it. Now, there's definitely a very Norse sort of like naming very convention so. to all the Walloon yeah. stuff. Well, Bar- Barnabas... I've- has both because Tartimer, his last name sounds yes. very Norse, yes. but Barnabas is a Hebrew name. Yeah, um, right. from the Book of Acts. So, yeah. yeah, he's kind of like mixing two, two things here. But the other people, like we're gonna get into his like sidekick dude. Um, I'll get into his name because he's got yes. a cool name. Yes, it's the horse of. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. We'll get there in a minute. Love it. Um, 
Okay. Upon learning of Walud's involvement in recent events at Drake's Fang, I sensed the malign influence of Ultima and bid Yote and the Undying look into the matter. Um, we have reason to believe that the Black Galleon weighed anchor shortly after the fighting began and set a course due south. And then they asked for Canver. Then it is the Waluder Knights who besieged the cities. What is left of them, of the Knights, yes. And the Black Galleon sails at but one man's behest, Barnabas Tharmer. Tharmer? Tharmer. Tharmer is how they would pronounce it, yeah. Yeah, right. Tharmer. This is where we cut away to what's called the Agora in the free cities of Canver, where the Republic leaders are like hiding out. Oh yeah, this was interesting. Arguing with each other about the state of the realm and what they should do next. And yep. Barnabas sort of shows up and, and I, I really actually liked this. Like, No, the scene was very tense. It was very good. Because one of them stands up and starts being like, Oh, hail! The king has come to save us! But it's said in this way that suggests like, yeah. Oh, like, we're going to start trying to barter with you. We will uh, certainly pay a reasonable price for all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, like, one of them's like, you guys are morons, dude. Like, the Akashic are wearing the Waluder colors. <laughs> like, like, is this, is, do you deny it? Like, have you brought these Akashic to attack us? Mm -hmm. And they don't. And he's like, oh, guards. Like, take <laughs> I don't know how, again, I, I literally don't understand how anyone in this they world don't know who they're seems dealing to think that they can just fight a dominant, like yeah. the most powerful godlike beings in the world. They're saying, I'm just going to take Odin captive into the prison. Yeah, just poke him with the spear. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, put on these cuffs, mate. You're going into it's the like, slammer. What did, what did you think was going to do? Also, this particular <laughs> dominant has a sword that can cut literally anything on earth. Right. <laughs> Um, they would know that he's basically Odin, right? Like, they yeah, know that. Yeah, they, everybody knows that. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, I think maybe the nobility, these people, they just have a high opinion of themselves, and nobody crosses me, and nobody would kill me, right? They just feel that, like, they wouldn't dare. He wouldn't dare. I, I would assume. It would be a diplomatic error for him to kill <laughs> the nobility of the other tribe. I would assume any time a dominant, like, entered the scene, anywhere mm. everyone would just shut the fetch uh, up yeah. and be like okay well, uh what, what, what uh whatever you say <laughs> like, well, because that's what happened at the beginning of the game when kupka shows up yeah and he just like pushes the king down yes. and he's like i'm taking charge yeah nobody else said a word yeah. and he left the room and that was that right yeah enough said end of end of sentence but every scene since then has been like, people have oh, like you this think hubris. You can oh, I can arrest you. Yes. <laughs> like, what? Do you really think that? Okay, yeah. Do you oh, it's crazy. Honestly believe that you have any power here? It's like, how could <laughs> you? You have no power They here. don't. It's crazy. Yeah, it's But funny. basically with just like with one slice of the sword, he, he kills, kills like every yeah. single person yeah, in the room. everybody. Which hey, is freaking he, sweet. He kills the palace. <laughs> he cuts the he whole cuts palace the whole in half. Freak. It's like he cuts insane. the whole ocean in half. Well, that's right. Okay, that gets that gets something else. Which which is awesome. As as like it's a, very cool. As a mythological sort of like power or ability, I love this concept of a sword that can cut anything. I think a it's sword like, that can cut anything. It yep. feels very like. Uh, mythological, yeah, mythological, totally. It's, it's awesome, legendary. Yeah, I very freaking much so. freaking love it, and it yeah. really sets up this like last sort of dominant in the way of Clive, right? As a, a truly like formidable foe. Like, how do you yeah. kill somebody who can like just with one cut 
like yes. d- cut or kill anybody. Anything. It's crazy. Even like the planet. Yeah, right? Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> like right. how do you how can you destroy such a foe? I, I really love that. I don't feel like they quite sort of paid off how Clive came up with a way to defeat such a, a, a foe. But I loved it as a setup, as a power. Yeah. It's just so formidable. And and twice he tries yeah. and fails to confront Odin. And like, you know, like how do I even how do I even beat this guy? It's like impossible. Well, if you know anything about bosses, um, you know, three hits. <laughs> <laughs> three hits in the weak spot. Three hits in the weak spot, and you did it. You won. Right. Um, anyway, we'll get more into that later. But we, we after that scene, we cut back to Clive and the party again. Um, oh, but he's looking is, for a girl, by the way. Oh, he, he's talking about mid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. he and he asks everyone. He's only they think he's there to barter. As a, he's not, he's <laughs> just like, hey, there's this girl I'm looking for. Like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, you don't know. Okay, f- screw you all. Like, kills everyone. They don't know. They don't know what the girl is. Let's go. Let's go somewhere else. But it's like yeah. that was like all the nobility of like. Anyways, it's really really. Yeah, cool. he's he's interested in finding mid well, because mid will says, draw Muthos out. Muthos. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's it's because according to him, Mythos and this girl Mid um, have their consciousnesses bound together. Yes, and yes, this is where I I start getting a little bit lost as to what they mean by consciousness. But um, you know, I think he just fine. means like they're friends and the bonds are strong between them. Yes, that's basically it. It's a consciousness power, is, it's, is it's a the funny power friendship. Word. It's the it's the <laughs> yes. JRPG concept right. of the power friendship. You We've got to sever the bonds. Mind. Actually, that would have been better. Sever the bonds of the power friendship because there you go. it is through the power of friendship that gods are destroyed in that these worlds. That you can worlds, do anything with right? the power of friendship. Like Absolutely. That, that's Ultima's, like, ul- yeah. his, his first priority. We have to sever the bonds of friendship because the, only the bonds of friendship are power enough to kill me. Very right? good. That's basically what he's saying. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> so we cut back to Clive. And Joshua decides to show them the tapestry that he saw at the Phoenix Gate, right? The one with the Ultima there. And it's all torn and incomplete. You see some of the dominance underneath it. And he, this is where he says, it is old, ancient even, the, the tapestry. Not remains of the faith it represents, save what can be gleaned from the image itself. Yeah. Except for the fact that Barnabas grew up in this religion. <laughs> His mother taught him it, and he was part of some cult. <laughs> And it wasn't even that long ago. <clears throat> it was not even that long ago. Yeah. None could tell me what the one in the apotry meant, even the undying. But yeah. I believe it may be the key to discerning Ultima's purpose, which we'll get another scene next time we'll talk about where he yeah. kind of pieces it together and figures it out. That figure in the center, the one beneath whom the icons congregate, that I believe to be Ultima. Right. He's a god, now, or at least godlike. That sentence right there, threw me for a loop because when we had seen this previously I was not aware that underneath that dark winged figure were anything like icons it mm-hmm. just seemed a chaotic mess of scribble yeah. yep. just not just like sh- just like yeah. shadow and flames <laughs> but he brings up like oh no these are all the icons that are underneath this one so it's essentially one ring to rule them all. <laughs> so it's the one icon to rule all the others, um, but that underneath it are the other icons. I just I, I did not get that at first. Yeah. Um, let's see. He's at least godlike. His very existence beyond our ken. Beyond the our icons ken. 
and by extension their dominance, are meant to be his subjects. And while some, like Barnabas, have accepted this role, others have rejected it, like you, Clive. Which is rather inconvenient, as it appears he needs you most of all. And gods don't like to be disobeyed. Gods don't like to be disobeyed. No, I suppose they do not. Okay, so then he he ends up doing the same incantation that they do for the Stolas Owls over the head of Yote. Did you notice yes, that? Yes, that's right. Yes, he and did. And he even said the same words that Elwin yes. said at the beginning. Yes. It was the same sentence. So are, are the Undying capable of like accepting thoughts and memories to carry messages like Stolas's? I didn't understand why he did that. Well, that's very interesting. Um, Actually, now that I realize it, um, at the very beginning, remember how Elwin sent that owl, but then the, the dudes killed people it. killed it, but did it go to its target before they killed it? No, probably not. Unless the target was the Undyne. Because oh, this, now that we've only seen okay. them two do it in the whole game, it's like, wait a second. I think you might be right. Wait that. a second. And and especially now wondering, like, how did the Undyne anyway? Even like, know. Yeah, what was happening there and Joshua and all that stuff. That's a good point. It almost seems a bit to me like, whoa, these guys can, like, telepathically communicate with each other through this owl. And um, even though it seemed like the owl didn't make its mark, I wonder if maybe it did. I kind of hope that maybe it did. Because the Undyne just always being there in the shadows and nobody just ever watching. notices them yeah. and even... What's her name? Annabella um, doesn't knowing about it. like catch on that these people exist um, is a little bit too far for me. I would like to think that there's some society, but that they aren't always present, always, all the time, yeah, every time, like a hundred yards away from Joshua, just in case. People. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, this would make a little bit more sense. And so, I don't yeah, know. I think that's a possibility for sure. So, yeah, I mean, he, he does that incantation over her for whatever reason. Maybe they're capable yes. of also accepting people's slots, telepathic thoughts. Um, but, and then he tells her to go to the, the hideaway and, and take care of the people there. And she's, you know, against it or whatever. But anyways, she leaves, she's, she tries to tell him to like, be careful or whatever. Um, and then Clive comments, it's plain that she cares for you deeply. And I think he kisses her head. Actually, Joshua kisses Yote's head. Mm. So they have something a little deeper than just a protector, uh, relationship. It's, I think that they like each other more than that. Well, um, they've been around each other for a very a long, long time, time and are similarly aged humans of opposite <laughs> gender. I mean, like, come on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's plain she cares for you deeply, and then he says, Joshua says, and I her, which is why I had to let her go. If so, you love somebody, you can't let, let them, them be go. in danger. Well, but if you love someone, let them go, isn't that? Or if you love somebody, let them, isn't if you love something, set it free. What is it? The song lyric of some if kind is not know. coming to me. But yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. And then it'll come back to you, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Okay, then they go to Camber. Well, this is where Cyril, this is where we meet. Yeah, Cyril. And this is very interesting. A bunch of hooded people. Um, To not confuse us at all with (laughs) any other hooded people we may have seen at any other point in the game. Um, There are more hooded people. Uh, These uh, are part of the order of the Undines that protect all of the nobility. Apparently there's lots of them. And Yote was one among several. And Cyril is like the leader, kind of, of Yes, it seems that way, yes. Um, And for somebody who is always, I don't know, for, for this group that's always there, and is always like protecting Joshua and it's like their goal. And apparently they were even there the night that Joshua died, even though like, well, it it's strange that they just don't follow him this time. 
Yes. That, that Josh was like, hey, I'm leaving. And they're like, are you going to be okay? And like, yeah, I got this Clive's with me. Oh, cool. The guy who killed you last time? Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Um, okay, well, we'll see you later. And uh, hopefully you don't die. Like, it just seems like their oath, that they're like, they're sworn to, I don't know that you can just like tell them to not come and then they're like cool with it. it at least it didn't seem that way yes. the way that this whole thing is set up and how they just happen to be at the right place in the right time yeah sounds like they're kind of always nearby okay so we've got a, a, a comment here from tough ham um cyril gave off i'm secretly evil vibes yes um now, clive i got that too you did too okay. i did okay okay I didn't, which is you why didn't? I was confused. <laughs> okay. I was confused as to why Clive reacts the way he does. Similarly to earlier, like this is an uncharacteristic Josh. sort of de- condescending right. response to Joshua. Because basically Cyril shows up. He says all the stuff he says. We are the undying. This is our purpose. Yes. Whatever. We serve from do, the shadows. All that stuff. Right. And then... Uh, uh, Clive is being all suspicious about it, but right. when he knows exactly who these people are, right, and that they saved Joshua, and that yes. is clear. And and then uh, yeah. Joshua says something like, "You have your associates, and I have mine. I hope that's not a problem." Right. And Clive doesn't say like, "Oh no, no, it's cool," or like he I just understand. doesn't answer. If you trust them, I trust them. Yeah, he just doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. And yeah. then and then at the end of the conversation, he's like, "We'll talk about this later." And then Cyril seemed very. Uh, you keep you keep strange bedfellows, Joshua. But like, why? You know who these people are. Like, right. what are you? What's the what's the suspicion about? I and and to me, Cyril came off as just being like emotionless or, or sort of just like yes. very um, I don't know. I guess we'd call it like just like purely rational in the way he speaks. He, he's not really, right. he doesn't emote much, Yeah, yeah. but I didn't get an evil vibe necessarily. And so I was, I was unsure what Clive was reacting this way for. It was hmm. very confusing to me. I got, I got, well, my note here says, obviously we don't trust these undying jokers is, well, I'm referring to Clive, I suppose in that yeah. note. Um, but I, and it could have just been Clive's reaction, but I did kind of get the feeling based on the way he was talking, the way he was dressed, the whole situation. We don't know who this guy is. He just showed up and it's like, oh, these guys, um, they're cool. You can trust them. Um, it felt a little too strange. Yeah. Weird. I, I don't so know. I guess like, that's what Joshua, he's... are you sure you're like yeah. cool with these people? Um, I did kind of feel that as well. Okay. So if yeah. other people are feeling that, I guess I just missed something, but I mean, you do a side quest later with Cyril mm-hmm. in which, Clive and Cyril seem to disagree on the methods of which okay. the Undying go about what they do. Like, basically, they're they're investigating something, and uh, you go there, and you're fighting a bunch of Akashic, and they come over, and they're like, oh, thank you. It's like, wait a minute, why didn't you come help me? Hmm. And they're like, well, we had to finish our, like, observations or whatever, or whatever right. we're studying. See, the oath that they take, <clears throat> their job is more important than anything else, right? Yeah. But then they just let Joshua go anyway. So okay, so so then they just like totally let their comrades die because what was more important was like finishing their observation. So then Clive goes yeah. back to Cyril yeah. and is like, "Hey, like, Not it's, cool, man. why do you guys operate like this?" He explains his reasons. Then they kind of debate that a little bit back and forth. And sure. Clive says, "Look, it's not my place. I understand. I'm not the heir like Joshua is, but like, you know, he probably 
would be more efficient in serving Joshua if he didn't just let people die like this. (laughs) And he's like, duly noted your advice, I'm not listening to you is more or less the response of Cyril. So they have they have some tension in how uh, he views the the way in which they're going about doing what they're doing. So So there is some suspicion planted there I felt, but I guess I didn't feel it here. Well here's the question then. There's this group of several people at least was Elwyn the only person who knew about them and literally nobody else knew about them or did even Elwyn not if Joshua knew then I would assume Clive well well, Clive knew because Clive told Jill in the scene who they were okay so Clive did know you're right you're right Clive knew so Clive was aware but Clive just doesn't know this guy and he doesn't trust them, even though. So he doesn't trust them, even though he does know who and what they are. Yes, that's why I was. That confused. is a little strange. That's okay, why I was confused. Okay, I, I see. I see that now. But if, like you're saying, and what other, even more people other than the tough yeah, camera saying, saying they got the evil they, vibe. They, Rob they said that. Really got a evil vibe from this guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm just horrible at reading mm. like <laughs> evil vibes. But <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just got the sense that he was just impassionate or dispassionate. I should say, not necessarily evil, though. Tough ham sure. does bring this up that he's a bit too alien. He emotes about as much as Ultima. Ultima is very that's much true. the same way. You, it feels kind of like Ultima in that sense. That's true. So that's that makes sense to me. Yeah, the parallel. He, he's giving off the similar sort of creepiness yeah. that Ultima does. Yeah, uh, I could see that. So anyway, very Kingdom Hearts esque. <laughs> a lot of Kingdom Hearts going on. Yeah, very good. Okay, so now they get to Canberra, and it's all smoky. And it's. You know, the battles are going on inside. Yep. They go in, they find Gavin Mid and Byron. This is Byron's first time seeing Joshua since he had died at Phoenix. That's State. right, yes. Oh, and dude, Byron's got to be on cloud nine. <laughs> all these dead people, just his whole family his is like coming back. All coming back to life. Dude. That's crazy. That's what happens when your nephew is the Phoenix. Um, so they explain that the Akashic are fighting for Walud, but that they're being controlled by someone. Right, they're 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 not yeah. acting on their own yes. consciousness, their own wills, or whatever. Right. Um, Clive and Joshua believe it's Ultima controlling them. They yeah. decide to go help any of the remaining survivors in the city. There's some in the merchants' district and some across the river, so they split into two parties. Um, and so at the end of this, where Clive goes into the merchants' district, he runs into Harbard, um, yeah, right. who decides to test him. Right. Uh, says you've caused quite the commotion, but then I would expect no less of you, Muthos. You again, I believe we haven't been introduced. You were at my family's crypt. He punched Kupka. Kupka and carried him out, right? Yeah. And now you're here with an army of Akashic thralls. Manners, Lord Rossfield, they are men like you and me, albeit ones unburdened by the wills that drive our kind to madness. They are pure. They are divine. And they are all that remains of this once raucous city. So everybody's been turned to Kashuk here in Canada. Yep, they're too late, it seems. Yeah. Uh, you'll pay for what you've done. As you wish, I confess I have been very much looking forward to this. Pardon me this indulgence, Your Majesty. The vessel shall not be spoiled. And then he gives his name. I am, I think it's Slep- Sleipnir. Sleipnir yeah. of House Harbor. Sleipnir, yep. And you will yield, or not. As long as you don't hold back. So. The name Sleipnir. Yes. <laughs> is, that is Odin's horse. Odin's chariot. His eight-legged horse. Yeah, his eight-legged yeah. horse. And who's, do you know the father of Sleipnir? 
It's uh, Loki, isn't Loki, it? Loki, that yeah. is correct. It's uh, probably the best story in the Eddas. I don't know if I believe it was a legit story from the Eddas or if the person who wrote it down was just kind of making fun of the of the Norse gods. Because oh, sure. um, we, we kind of know who wrote down the Eddas, and it's not somebody who was part of the culture. It was a Christian mm. from somewhere else. Oh. Who, but, the, but the Norse didn't really keep... Uh, you know, good records. Records, yeah. Stuff, yeah. So he was like, "Oh, I'll preserve this because it was the the old mythology of the Norse was preserved so well in the culture and the language, but it just wasn't written. It was all orally told, and so he kind of wrote them down. But he wrote them down in such a way to where the um, Christian rulers would accept it as not necessarily propaganda for another religion, yeah. right? So he kind of made Thor look stupider than he probably yeah, was. Right. He made Loki look more ridiculous than he probably was. Yeah. Um, a lot of this kind of stuff happens, but this is, the story is too good. I have to tell it. In fact, it might have been in, in, on Hel- in Hellblade. I can't it remember if been, this story yeah. was in. It might have been. One of the stories, yeah. So there was a giant who disguised himself as a, as a, a just a, not a giant, I guess. He was disguised. He seemed a lot smaller. Uh, but he went up to the gods and told them that he could build a wall uh, to keep the giants out of Midgar, basically. And so the gods are like, oh, that sounds sweet. Yeah, uh, go ahead and build the wall. Um, so he starts building, and but they kind of ne- they haggle, they negotiate, and he's like, oh, I can build this wall in like... Or I, he has some, or like a sum of money, like a ton of money. And they're like, oh, for that sum of money, I'd expect the wall to be built in three days. And the guy, they don't know he's a giant. And the guy's like, oh, okay, well, so let's see what happens. And so I can't remember if it was three days or seven days or something. But basically, he starts building the wall, and they realize he's building it really fast. So they're gonna, he's going to get, I can't remember who it was. I think it was like a wife or somebody. He was going to get like Orden or Thor's wife. Or <laughs> like he was going to get something way beyond what he you know, deserved and they should not have made that promise, but they had no idea that he was a giant. Um, So he's building this whole thing, but he's got this horse that goes and gets like bricks and then brings them to him. And then he builds them up Mm. and he's, he's almost done. It's like one last brick left for the wall, basically. And the gods are like, okay, we got to do something. This is ridiculous. And Loki goes out and he, um, he shape shifts into a horse a, a, a female horse mm. so that the male horse won't um, bring the brick. would like won't bring the brick and would go chasing Dude, this other horse. Mythological stories right? are so <laughs> freaking cool. I love it. I they're love just, it. They're really funny. Yeah. They are and this one gets really funny because it's one thing for Loki to have transformed into a horse and then run away to, to lure the other horse like okay. But the other horse catches Loki and <laughs> <laughs> let's just say <laughs> However, so however long the gestation time of a horse, uh, <laughs> later, that much time passes, and uh, Loki gives birth to a child. So he's like the father and mother of Loki, he or is. of Sletnir. He is. He's technically the mother, I guess. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Sletnir. And, but this isn't even that unusual. He also, Jormagander, the world serpent, was also one yes. of Loki's children. And I think uh, Fenrir, mm-hmm. the, 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 yes, um, the wolf. Yeah, the wolf yeah. Uh, that was like, you know, a thousand feet tall. That, well, okay, not that tall. Loki had a lot of... But his kids yeah. are all like like these like Animals. animal creatures, basically. Yeah. But And then, of course, then Sleipnir. And then Odin finds Sleipnir and is just like, whoa, this horse is sick. It's got eight <laughs> legs. That means it's faster than all the other horses, right? Yeah. So he takes it and he's like, this is my new horse. Um, anyways, that's just a wonderful story. I yeah. love that story. And I just imagine Tom Hiddleston... <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, you know, having an unlucky, unfortunate encounter with uh, with a horse. Yeah, it's <clears throat> really funny. Um, yeah, so anyways, that's where that name comes from. Um, yeah. One thing uh, that is not clear to me, because it's revealed here a little later, 
that harbored is a creation of Odin in this world's mythology, yeah. not in the real Norse right. mythology. Um, and he's, and he, yeah. he's like, he can be, and you fight like a bunch of him later, like a, like 50 of him later. Yes, they just replicate. And, and they weren't like nearly as strong as the boss was. And it was kind no, of I but thought they would be. And he, yeah, he says he's from the house harbored. And so it's like, okay. Was this an Olivier thing or like, was he, was he a real person? If he's the creation of Odin, then he's of no house, I guess. He's just like right. some he shouldn't creation be. of a god. He's not like born of the house harbored. So I, right. I was a little confused on this point as to why he said that, unless he's just lying about it, I guess. And that's his... Um, so he's created by Barnabas or by Odin or uh-huh. Ultimus Power or whatever. But then like they gave him an alias, which is this house harbored thing, and he just... That's okay. His, I don't know. Well, Chocolate Rob has an answer here uh, that says Harbard is an eggy like Benedict's Benedicta's sisters. Uh, Remember yeah. her? I, mm-hmm. I forgot about them. Yep. That there were like these harpy girls that yep. were like uh, she could create them. Yeah. Yes. So I guess that's what Harbard is. So while Harbard says he's of the House of Harbard, he may he's just not. be lying. Yeah. Well, Tough Ham is saying that the ATL says House Harbard is not recorded anywhere in history, uh, so it's a fabricated thing. There yeah. you go. So they were, he's just lying. So he's, he's just like, I'm from the noble. Oh, you haven't heard of the House Harbard, have you? <laughs> oh, oh, it's it's high up. It's it's high and mighty. I promise. Yeah. Tell everyone I'm the House of Sperry. <laughs> oh, you haven't heard of you haven't heard of the House of Sperry? Oh, oh, have I got stories for you? Uh, that's funny. Okay, so you fight him, um, and you kill him, and he says the vessel is strong, my liege, and he dies. The vessels are strong, my lord. <laughs> Rip them all down. Rip them all down. <laughs> Uh, and then Barnabas, yeah, Barnabas shows you, up. He cuts the freaking castle. Hand, That's the craziest thing. <laughs> the way that happens is just I Whoa. you you would never see that coming. Yeah, a million miles away. Crazy. And yeah. I like how he picks up just a normal sword off the ground at first. That's and right. He just yeah, yeah. like plays with Clive for a while. He's obviously a very very yeah. like elite swordsman. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clive is too, but like Clive is like no match for this guy. He's is. His swords, his skill with the blade. Oh, he's got <laughs> some skill with the blade. That is very good. Very evident. Yeah. yeah. It, it, um, way above Clive's. By the way, before we get too far, Chocolate Rob has a really good point here. He says that Harbard means hairy beard, which is a reference to Odin. Uh, so when Harbard says, I am of the house of the hairy beard, I'm a house of the, the hairy bearded one. Yes. Um, that is referring to Odin yeah, in from, a way. So Odin himself. He could be saying, I am, yeah, the spawn of Odin. Got it. Um, so he just he just beats a fetch out of him, yeah. um, and then yeah, they, they're having some conversations back and forth, um, and he eventually becomes uh, he, he says wild and impetuous. I expected more of the boy who bested my lord commander. You see, my ma- why my master covets you, the power within you, Mythos, the potential. Um, stop calling me me. And I laugh so hard. Stop calling me Muthos. <laughs> like the pronunciation is it's so pronounced Mythos, you idiot. Weird. Don't call me Muthos. But it's like it's like the the voice actor is trying so hard to deliver that line very seriously. <laughs> it's just stop calling me Muthos. <laughs> I was laughing. Out loud. I love that, man. Love uh, that. But Muthos is everything. The cornerstone of all creation, the Lord's vessel, your purpose. He's like, my purpose? To surrender my mind and body to that thing? Uh, this started to bother me about some of the dialogue later because he states it there that he understands it. 
Clyde yeah. is like, my purpose to surrender my mind and body to that thing? Yes. No. And then later on, he's like, your purpose. He brings up, what is my purpose? What do and you then, mean? <laughs> and he's like, he's your purpose. Well, but what is that exactly? <laughs> you just said it. Anyway, uh, my purpose is my own. I made a promise to my friends, you know, like, I'm going to, you know, not do what Ultima wants. Right. The idea is that Clive, Clive says he's made a new purpose. Yeah. And then Barnabas says, you would allow this delusion of free will to bar your path to greatness? <laughs> Clive's volition is a cancer a to cancer be excised. To be excised. And that's when, he, that's when he grabs his Odin sword that can yeah, cut anything. Yeah, the big one, yeah. And, and it's just like, it cuts nigh on every sinew, I believe, is what, except, as Joshua puts it. Yes, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> uh, except whatever is vital to survive. Yes. Because it was like he intentionally... Left cut him alive. Clive in a manner that he would not die. Yeah. Uh, and so he just yeah. falls to the ground, and Joshua comes to take him out while Jill stays behind to fight the king. She primes, That's right. fully yep. primes yep. into yep. Shiva, and he defeats her and takes her captive. So Joshua is able to use his Phoenix healing powers to like save Clive. Um, and he says, Barnabas may have severed nigh every sinew in my brother's body, but he made certain the wounds were not fatal. Exactly. And I love Byron's response to this because Byron comes walking and he's mm. like, nigh on every sinew. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yes, later, literally, uncle. <laughs> and then like later when like all the harbors like spawn in, he's like, don't you have any normal enemies? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this right. is crazy. What the F is going That's on? Right. <laughs> like, who, what am I involved in here? Oh, it's it really funny. But um, they, they, they tell Clive as he wakes up, hey, Jill um, wasn't found. She never came back. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's cool. <laughs> Which uh, like, really surprised she's me. She's fine. One of the <laughs> things like, was, um, was uh, oh, I can still feel like the, the, the icon lives. Yes. And so she's yes. fine. Yes. Right? She could so, be getting like tortured and like, but it's like, oh, she's fine. She's fine. Yeah. Basically, like apparently the icons or the dominants can sense yeah. The aether from that's right. Yeah, the the life force, the aether from the other dominant, so they know. She's or maybe, alive still. Oh, maybe in particular, would it be any dominant, or would it, would it just just be, be Jill Clive? and Clive? That I, I don't know. But, I don't know. Okay, I don't okay. know. Yeah, I don't. Know. But I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's any dominant. But at, at least they have well Joshua too, because Joshua was the one who actually says the line. It's like, oh, that's I can right. still feel that's her right. ether. So Joshua and Clive are able to sense that she's still yeah. alive. So if you can feel her ether and she's still alive, then that means she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of Josh, there's one line here that we kind of skipped over. When we first get to Canver and Joshua sees Mid for the first time. Oh, that's right. That's Joshua funny. drops to his knees and takes her, her hand. hand. And my lady. And I'm like, ooh, goodness. Okay. So Joshua and Yote have some relationship. But Joshua seemed quite smitten with Mid. I thought that yep. was very interesting. And she was like, what the F are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, okay. So can we catch them? So the Ein Harriar is already taken off. It's one of the yeah. fastest, largest vessels ever built. Yes. And now we got to go on this, like, I, again, this is where I was confused. Because it was like, the ship has already taken off with Jill to go back to Walu. And they're like, but my ship's not ready yet. There's like a problem. And like, I need you to go uh, and like do all these side quests basically to like, <laughs> oh no, go get my father's writings That's back right. at the hideaway so that I can like finish like the last touch. Isn't and so they that travel insane, by the way? Because all the way back 
to the hideaway on foot. Yes. Or even by Chocobo. I don't know. And then come back. And then come all and the then way back. And then still catch. Build the fetching thing <laughs> and, and across a straight, a straight. This yeah. is not like open ocean for like five or 600 miles. It's a straight between two continents yes. that are like right next to each other. And we catch the Einherjar. Like how long does it really take to walk back? around this continent. I, I'm so you know confused what? about the size what of What we it. call fast travel, it really may well, be, maybe actually, it is, it's no, just teleportation. I think you're right. There is a diegetic stones, element to it. There's teleportation. But right? I don't... Do, okay, we need an ATL. It's those stones. We need an ATL here. Does somebody uh, actually know? But, but then why aren't they using them otherwise? Why are they walking on foot everywhere in other scenes? Like when they went from the highway to Tabor, right? Why didn't they just use the teleport freaking... Uh, Fallen relic things to like. I get actually closer. have not understood that throughout. Maybe a lot it's of this because game. well, a lot of times when you go into a new area, you sort of have to like you have approach to activate it, to it first, a, like, activate or unlock it, right? Like a shrine in Zelda. So maybe it's that, but like, that would, are I, they I, are I they like diegetically it. using those things to fast travel around, like like teleport? Is that what they're doing? Because that would make way more sense than the fact that they just walked back to the hideaway and then walked yeah, back to, and then like. I'll bet you it's that. But can all of them do it? I don't know. I guess so. Because that would, anyway, that would make way more sense. Uh, Tough Ham is saying, no, I don't think so. Nobody knows what those markers are for. N sorry, no answer to that, says Rob. Okay. So, yeah, it appears to me that they're walking around and like like literally halfway across a continent to and go get back. some notes. Longer than it. All the yes. way back. And they do that faster than it would take a ship to sail. To sail across whoop. a strait. Like say seven, ten I mean, miles, I know ships miles, were not miles. necessarily fast. I mean, these things were probably going 10 miles an hour maximum, depending on the wind. That's faster than I but, can walk. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be running. But like, you know, it's still, it's still just crazy to me. The sense of time and scale of these places and how fast they can go to places. I don't really understand it. It seems off. It also it seems just very unnecessary for this problem to exist in the story. Yeah. It's like it was just an excuse to give you more side quests and more stuff to do instead of just, hey, the, the ship's ready. Let's go right now. We can still catch them. Because you've probably been, I don't know, bedridden, I would at least think one night. <laughs> yes. It's got one well, day. Well, what does Joshua say? Um, the phoenix can heal flesh, but the spirit must recover on its own. Yeah. It's one of the things Joshua says, referring to Clive, who is still sleeping. Right. Yeah, yeah, they could have easily done this on their own. Anyway, but there's like a ton of other side quests you can do. They all open up like right now. Again, like, and this is not a unique thing to this game. This is a, a kind of a, a meme of all RPGs of this type. It's like imminent doom is about to happen on the planet. And it's like, nope, we're going to go like breed chugabos now. And, you know, like go do all this random stuff around. And, and the meteor will just wait to like crash until we're done with all that. So I'm not, this is not like a unique criticism of this game as much as it is just, it just seems like weird timing, generally. But anyway, uh, you go do all that and bring the writings back to mid and she's able to finish uh, the building the ship engines. All right, can we catch them? The Einherjar is the largest, fastest vessel ever built, uh, or one of them ever built, and it won't help that she has the wind at her back. Any other ship would be hard-pressed to keep pace with her, let alone reel her in. But this isn't any other ship. This is the Enterprise. And yeah. the world hasn't seen anything like my dad's engine. My dad's way better than all of your dad's. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's this other line, too. As we see Barnabas on his ship going away, he says, uh, 
power beyond reckoning. Or power beyond reckoning. And they use it as a crutch. Such a waste. Actually, that's when he that's when he attacks yeah, the he girl, attacks um, Jill. Yeah. Right? And he's just like, they're using their power to get away, to like yeah. retreat and run away. And he's like, you have the power of God and you're using it to <laughs> like, like sneak out and like run yeah, away. Right. Like, what are you doing? He, can, he cannot believe, yeah. his mind cannot compute like how these people are, are behaving how with these operate. powers. Yeah. He, he was indoctrinated at a young age. He gave up his there you free go. will a long time ago. Yep. Um, Joshua asks Clive if he knows anything about Barnabas and he, uh, Clive says only what the bard's saying that he sailed to Ash from Southern lands. So his mother took him away. I think it says in the ATL if because of the persecution, their religion, whatever, right. They went to some Southern land and then he came back later after she was killed there by some rival religion or whatever. Hmm. And, uh, you know, took over. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he, sailed back to ash from southern lands that is uh that it was his mastery of the blade which won him the throne and that his sword odin's sword can sever the very threads of creation but don't lose any sleep over uh, our last tilt we'll do what we must to survive so then they get attacked and there's the whole scene with a uh, like 50 harbors attacking them and then yeah, the ship at the last second as the ship leaves and clive jumps yeah. Barely, barely makes it. Yeah, I think the line from Joshua is, confound it, then it is, it is as I feared, Sleipnir is no man, but a creation of Odin. Um, <laughs> this line from... <laughs> from I, I, they have some really uh, clever, sort of like in-universe sort of curse words and things oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Um, Phoenix's fiery fundament. <laughs> have you no normal fiery enemies? Fundament. Now that's well, not really a curse word necessarily, uh, but, but it's later used in that in a way like that. Yeah, though. later <laughs> mid says great Gregor's gash. <laughs> yes, um, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it was hilarious. They so Joshua often talks about the founders, right, or a yes. the fundament, right, a found a foundation, a founder. Yeah. He talks about the found. Oh, by the founders, right? Mm -hmm. Or the founders? They found us, you know. Um, and each one of them uses the words of the gods of wherever they're from. Yeah. Right? So right. mid talking about Grieger. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious. Gash. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but then, um, and then Joshua always saying founders, founder, the founders. Oh no, uh, thank yeah. the founders, you're alive. Like what is he talking about? I looked it up, and the founders is essentially a reference to those who founded. Rosaria. Rosaria. Yeah. yeah right. And they, you know, it started out as a small thing and grew into a bigger thing. And But the founders were these benevolent, you know, people who were just trying to do good. Um, but they rose to the status of something like a, at least a saint, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay, so the ship takes off. Um, yeah. Oh, but while we're there, too, this is worth knowing, uh, noting. It takes us a while, first off, to find mid-stuff, because it's not in an obvious place. We basically yes. have to go to the... Um, you have to go downstairs. They call it the orchestron, but it's... Um, yeah, the, the, the thing that plays the music. The jukebox. The yeah, jukebox yeah, you got to hit up that jukebox, yeah. and that's where you find it. Um, but it, during this time, I think it's it's uh, revealed that this is when Dion leaves. Yeah, he had so left. So Dion woke mm -hmm. up, and he left. He and took off. My first thinking was like, oh, shoot, that's not good. But Clive yeah. is just like... Yeah, well, he, he's having a hard time. 
Like, so what? He doesn't care. Like, they've got other stuff to do. With I him. was disappointed that Dion wasn't going to become a party member. I was thinking that's I where know, it was going. I know. I thought so, too. That would have been, if this was a Final Fantasy in 1998, that would yes. have been the case. First Esquire, <laughs> then Dion, and no, no, none of them. We don't yeah, get any of those guys. I was guys. upset. I was like, dang it, they're not going to do it, man. Um, yeah, but that's a good point to point that out. Yeah. You taken off. Okay, so as they're sailing, Byron leaves the ship. He's going to head back into the Republic. He's got his, his buddy, Randala, who's got an army. He's going to go rec- like recruit his help. Oh, he's like, yeah, next time you see me, nephews, you know, I'll, I'll be with an army at my back. Uh, don't go, you know, right. dying on me again or whatever. Oh, uh, so, yeah, same to him. <clears throat> yeah, so he takes off. Him, bro. And then, uh, let's see, then we get a scene with Dion. We cut to Dion, who's, like, stumbling his way. Again, dude can barely walk. And yeah, he walks he's, like, using from his the spear as a hideaway All the way to Twinside mm-hmm. without provisions, without provender, without... <laughs> And then he happens to faint just as the medicine girl shows up. And it's like, oh, you but lucky yeah, man, it's you. Like, uh, then I was kind of upset by this, too. I was like, oh, this is what they're going to use the medicine girl for. This this yeah. was it. This is what they set up. She's just going to help Dion with some <laughs> <laughs> potions. Hey, they really? all, they That's all need... where this was going. That was, that was the freaking <laughs> setup for this. Really? Yeah, well. I thought she was going to be like an Ultima puppet or something more interesting than just like, oh, she was just this innocent An altruistic girl young girl selling Who potions. helps Dion, I guess. Yep. It's a lot of uh, things that appear to be kind of like dead ends that were set up earlier, I'm finding. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're not, they're not makes, coming together the way I was hoping Makes you wonder if there was were. something else planned or if that we were reading too much into the early stuff or if it was presented in such a way that maybe it's just stuff to like throw you off or yeah. to give you mysteries. That, so, uh, Potion Girl's yeah. there. She helps him out. He's yep. going to be okay. Then we cut back to, they're on the sea, they're catching up. Uh, oh, they're talking about the direction they need to go, uh, head north. Right. Uh, around Zemeckis uh, to put through the narrow, that's the direction he would have gone. Because I think Clive brings up, well, why wouldn't he, why would you assume it's that way? Why not south around the freaking entire continent? <laughs> Don't be stupid. Like, why would anyone sail that way <laughs> and make the journey like five times longer? Clive's <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just saying I what know, if, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Anyway, so like, yeah, that's, Mid knows what she's talking about. That's where he went. So let's go after it. Now, this next set piece is freaking sick it's my favorite in the whole game by far like where odin you fight odin at the bottom of the ocean after he oh my gosh sliced it so moses style yes (laughs) i couldn't tell exactly what was happening initially and what it turned into because at first i was like this boat stuff like you know first off i never thought i'd be on a boat um <laughs> but it also like it was like it was all right it was fun it was like yeah. kind of cool it wasn't exactly what i uh, all i hoped it would be it. uh no you do not get to sail it but as the battle begins to happen it is pretty cool the way that the battle is presented the way the the ships kind of like run into each other and then separate and then um i thought it was cool and then the way that clive jumps over but but joshua stays and that's how uh, odin is able to kind of deal with them one at a time um, to prevent them from merging together again like they did against um, Bahamut. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was actually pretty cool. But then once that opened up, once the, the oceans like opened wide, the jaws of the ocean like yeah, opened, freaking sweet. like uh, Charybdis from the Odyssey, uh, all of a sudden it's just like, 
whoa, this like got a lot cooler. Like the scale all of a sudden just felt bigger. I felt like I was in an epic story again, mm-hmm. uh, like the Odyssey or something like that. Yeah. And um, you know, the boat just kind of like skirts the edge and like yeah. barely doesn't fall down. And I, th- I swear, like one of the like the second or third Pirates of the Caribbean movie did something does like something that. like that yeah. with the. Oh, what's it called? The the whirlpool, but the thing at the whirlpool at the bottom of the whirlpool. I can't remember what it is. Basically, Charybdis from yeah. from the Odyssey made the Kraken, something like that. Yeah, was that what it was? I don't remember that. It movie was like at a all. squid <laughs> Kraken thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was really really super cool. And I the the whole Moses parallel kind of mm. went over my head initially because I was just like, this is insane. Like Odin sliced a hole in the water, and it's like Pirates of the Caribbean, but like everything was coming together in like this really cool way. And then, of course, the boat like falls into it, and we're at the bottom. And it took me a minute to register, because when the boat falls, I, I think the screen cuts to black or something for a little bit, and then it shows them getting out of the boat. And I'm like, they shipwrecked? They're just yeah. skipping this hole, and it took yeah. me a, it took me maybe twenty seconds or so to register. They're at the bottom of, of the, ocean. the ocean, and yeah. all of a sudden, everything was just like, "Oh, this is cool again." I started <laughs> to get really excited again, like it, 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 almost like that Kupka fight, which apparently a lot of people didn't love as much as I did. Yeah, was I thought it was amazing, yeah. um, but it just kind of one-upped itself, and then just like became even more epic, like yeah. all at once. I, yeah. I could not believe it; it was so cool. It was a very very cool set piece. Again, I loved this concept of this sword that can cut anything as yes. a mythological power yeah, yeah. Or, or sort of concept for the story. There, I, I there are wish, lots of myths similar to this. Yeah. I wish that they had come up with a more clever way to find a way to best Barnabas who has this mm. unstoppable power because mm. like a, an idea that just came to me as I was playing it, right, is Clive gets cut yeah. And like oh, all the sinews get cut and he just freaking like falls over incapacitated. But Phoenix yeah. can bring him back. Right. So what if like a battle had been set up where if you take a single hit from Barnabas at all, you basically lose all your health and Joshua oh. has got to like bring you back. But then you have to also protect Joshua because if Joshua gets hit, then the fight's over. You mm, could create this like been a clever. This could have been interesting. Like you could create a clever sort of like combat scenario that's different as a gimmick to it. Yeah, that's different than they usually are. If this was a turn-based RPG, it might be a little bit easier to set this up. Yeah, but I, I felt like okay, we've we've got a mechanism set up here where if the three dominants and icons work together, because I thought it was so stupid. That when the, he initially fights Barnabas, yeah. he's like, "You guys stay back. I'll yeah. handle it." Like, yes. dude, you got three dominants right there. Know, All of you fight him right now. And like just, like, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, whatever. His hubris got the better of him. He he, he thinks well, he's all that. I thought right? that's what was happening because he tells Jill, he's like, "Jill, stand back." And Jill's like, "Are you sure?" And he like looks at him. He's like, "Trust me." Like, <laughs> okay. And then we proceed to get our freaking butt kicked. <laughs> like, he did not. I thought he had a plan up his sleeve. I was like, "Hey, this is the second yes. fight. Like, we're gonna." to beat um, yes we're gonna win this time right and clive's like wink wink like trust me on trust this me I, no, I got it it's basically trust me you're too weak to fight <laughs> like, <laughs> yes oh okay why, thank you well and that that part is true she was yes, weakened she from was. being imprisoned yes and, and that's why he's telling her to leave but and, he had no okay, plan you know to fight it i think i know what's happening here now so i read it as trust me i learned his weakness i can win this fight instead i think it was you go away because he'll kill you but trust me 
he won't kill me. Yes. Right? Like, because, I don't know how to beat because him. Because there's a reason but he, he won't left kill me alive. He's yes. not going to kill me. That, so yes. maybe that's how I should have read that scene. Yes. But the way I read it initially was like, wink, wink, like, trust me. Anytime in a movie where a character's like, trust me, yes. it's always like, oh, they figured something out. Yeah, like he's, they, he's, he's being clever. Win. But Clive is but not clever all at all. All that he figured out was This whole just, game, he's never been that. Yes. And, and once again, <laughs> he, he really still kind of isn't. Um, but at least his, his trust me was that, hey, trust me, I didn't figure out how to kill him, but I found out how to not die. <laughs> but it only works for me. So you run away, <laughs> and I will face him, get whooped, but I won't die. But and I won't I'll die. I'll see you least. later. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, I'm Muthos. He can't kill me. Muthos, yes. Uh, yes. Anyway, yes. I, I just feel like there was some wasted potential here to create some sort of clever scenario where the three of them work together to get around yeah, this cool. huge mythological power that like yeah. you can't just face Odin alone. He can cut through anything. But with the three of us combining our powers, we're able to sort of like hedge or, or um, you know, like... It was kind of the same way with with the Bahamut fight. Actually, it's like Ifrit alone would not have been able no to, he would have died to fight Bahamut. Yeah, yeah. Bahamut was way stronger than him. But when you but have the Phoenix, the Phoenix who yeah. can fly, combined yeah. those powers were enough. And so, like, if you had the the three of them working together in some clever way to get around this otherwise unbeatable icon, I feel like that just would have been way stronger than just Clive saying, like you're saying, oh, I'll just try again, <laughs> and then. <laughs> and then, like at the end of this it's whole sequence, his whole life. you get like the the whole you know objective complete little like visual yeah, thing. Yeah, did you and read the, the da, text? Da, 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 Clive bested. Dun, dun, Clive bested. <laughs> but but was that a was that a typo? <laughs> no, it's it's just isn't it supposed it's to basically say just saying you completed your okay. mission but your mission was clive got bested that was oh <laughs> clive got i thought it was clive bested no no clive was bested by odin but so i read it right and it's supposed to be that yes oh my gosh that's like really funny it's really funny that's really funny <laughs> Oh my gosh! I guess they couldn't make you think that you lost. Uh, you reset your console because, like, yeah. oh, I, I lost. If it played like sad music, do 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 no, do do Yeah, you're supposed to lose. Hmm, that's funny. Uh, anyways, it's pretty funny. Oh my jaws, yeah, my it, cheek hurts. Yeah, it was. There's a lot of funny <laughs> stuff happening in this episode. Okay, so uh, last oh, scene. I think we're gonna cover. Well, no, there's more dialogue we need to go over. More. And, and again, this is, they're just repeating a lot of the same stuff and it's really not as deep as they're like, the way they say it, it comes across as, oh, this is like super important, like deep concepts. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. we need to like dialogue and have this out and debate, <laughs> but it's like free will or no free will. It's like really all it boils down to. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and that's what Odin keeps telling him. Odin's just like, you don't realize you can't control your fate. Yes, I can control yes, my I fate. Okay, this is like the fourth time we've come back I know, you, you've been this. saying like, this uh, over and over again at this point. Yeah. Also, the thing that disappoints me about this is there really is a good philosophical conversation you can have about whether yes. free will exists or not. Well, like that, that is like a real point of contention that it has some substance to it. Yes. But they're not even touching that in this at all. It's it's the most surface level 
sort of like, yeah. oh, Ultima says no. Well, I say yes. <laughs> and, and you know what? And that's Clive, what would you call it? The Clive-ism bodying something of the fool archetype yeah. throughout this game where it's like the fool, but the fool who... Uh, who is it? Like the 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 fool who points out that the emperor is not wearing clothes. Like, yes, like right, the right, fool right. who is a fool, but is like okay with admitting that he's a fool and that he doesn't know. Uh, but he ends up being right in the end, even yeah. though he's a fool, and that the smart, the wised who think they are learned yeah. are not what they think they are. Um, all that kind of stuff. I, that's what they're playing at because I don't think they wanted to get too deep into the game. But one way that you can do this is to have the bad guy be so philosophical, but the good guy just be like, I'm not into your your words and your your philosophies and your concepts. Like, I just don't care. I, I, I am going to do the opposite of what you tell me. And it doesn't, I don't, I, first off, I don't understand what you're saying, <laughs> but second off, screw you, I'm going to do my own thing. But that's yeah. like the point, you know? So he's embodying yeah. the idea of choosing your own destiny um, almost in ignorance of all right. other potential options, right. um, but that it's the human way of doing things. It's the humanity. that That's that's how we do stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we aren't all, uh, we don't like talk through things. We just kind of go on emotion. And a lot of things have that similar, um, but the way that they're pulling it off, the way they're trying to pull it off, um, is by because if Clive was more philosophically minded, we would have some Xenogears level stuff here. I know, but there is, some, but there they aren't is interested. They could do it. Uh, they didn't want to do. No, that. they and clearly that, didn't. And it's clear. And the way they did it was well. Let's just make Clive really just dense and not get it, and uh, kind of like more of a Titus FF10 Titus yeah, type character. Right. Um, and then have this guy's philosophies fall on dead ears, as if playing Mozart to a tree rug. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that's just how we're going to get around it, right? We don't, you know, that way some of the deeper thinkers can have their philosophy, but then the people who just want to play the game can just skip through it and it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, so here's some of the dialogue here. This consciousness yeah. in which you coil your feeble souls is grown thick with desperation. I mean, it's like, they're just like laying it on in terms of like the way the dialogue's written. But, but I can hear Clive being like, you think my consciousness is thick? Oh, how nice of you. <laughs> And thus, I, I always thought my consciousness was pretty thick. And thus, good to hear as my master turned to my blade, the world yeah. will soon be painted black and all that live shall gather in death's autumn wake. Not if we remove the cause of this misery. Not if we destroy the last of the mother crystals and restore balance to the world. It, it, a lot of this dialogue, I'm just starting to kind of like turn my brain off for it. It's just like, okay, yeah. guys, get it already. Come, do you truly think it's so simple? The blight is inevitable. Not even the Almighty might stop its endless march. Your efforts will avail us not, not, that is, but suffering. You must embrace the truth, Muthos. Accept your place with the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that line. Though. Yeah, that was he's, he's like clearly like indoctrinated cult mindset. Oh, totally. Keep it. As long as there's a chance, there's a choice. It, it's, it's, you're just flowering up a no you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> no you. Ever oh, led hilarious. astray by your blind resolve, now it is time you learn the inevitability of your divine fate, however much it may hurt. And I think that's when he slices or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, beats us up again. Uh, do you not, they go on and on after this. Do you not see your iron will weighs you down, dragging you even further from your purpose? And what is my purpose? And I wrote, do you don't, you still, you just yeah. said it. Like yeah. in the last time you fought it, Muthos, why are we, what are, what, who are we? What are the dominance? The breath of the creator. 
still warm on the lips. Our lips. Yeah, I we, like that line. That line's pretty good. That's cool. We carry his light that we might guide the masses in his name. We are but mighty acts of God. We are more than that. No, you. Isn't that a weird thing to say? Like, yeah. if, I, if I told you, Mike, you are an act of God, would you respond like, I'm, I'm offended. Uh, I'm way better than I'm that. More than that. Like, whoa, dude, that was basically well, a I, high compliment. I believe it's like your I only purpose is to serve good. God. No, yes, yes. I have a higher purpose than just serving, being a servant. But yes. I know what you yes, mean. Yes, yes. Just pretty funny. You would be nothing without what he has granted you. The world, uh, the power we yield is his. And yet every time we draw upon it, it wears away at our very being. It breaks us. It unmakes us. Uh, this is how they change into icons. It actually physically breaks their bodies and remakes them into its immaculate aspect or that its immaculate aspect might reveal itself the icon. It is too much for even his chosen few apart from you, Mythos. You wield a might of many yet your body does not answer for its avarice. What yeah, are you saying? Yeah. Good you, question. You what the fetch are you stone. saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I am saying is that we dominants are a means to an end. We were created, f we were created for, I think it took that down wrong. We were created that you might, or created for you. We, the other dominants were created for you, mythos. Right. That you might drink deep of our strength and thereby fulfill your divine purpose, which is to feed. As you would yep. know. To devour, to become one, but so he would be the one incorporating others into his body, growing yeah. his body, right? Right. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's sort of what he's doing when he takes the other dominants' um, power. Yeah. Right? He's He's consuming their yeah, um, feeding on their them. aether abilities. Yeah, as you would know, as you would know, could you only look beyond the walls of your prison of self-regard? As long as you choose to ignore this, you shall never penetrate my defenses. Still, you may take solace in the fact that you are not alone in your plight. The chains of volition shackle all of mankind, but there is yet cause to rejoice, for the Lord, in His mercy, has taken pity on His flawed creations and shall see them restored to their proper forms. What? those and then why loyal servants to God and then he has a flashback of what Harbert said about Akashic and he's like oh he means Akashic everyone's going to be turned to Akashic that's the pure form right. of humans of humanity it's like the zombie <clears throat> but it's um, what would you call it it's the the mind controlled masses right that yes. are being manipulated by the marionette holding puppet yes. master which is Ultima you mean right. to turn everyone Akashic not turn Muthos turn back for too long, so that this is what they used to be, what we all used to be. For too long has mankind been led astray by their clamorous wills. It is time they returned to a world of quiet equality, where they might once more know salvation. Salvation and abandon everything we hold dear. And this is Jill, right? Yeah. We don't need your salvation. We'll yeah. save ourselves. We'll do it on our own terms, not yours and not your God's. With every defiant expression of your will, the tighter the chains of consciousness become. But perhaps that fact may be put to use. The faster it binds you to the remaining dominance, the stronger your hunger will become until it leads you back to the only answer there ever was. Mayhap not by the path my master intended, but back all the same. Clive now that one is interesting to me, where it's like, what path in particular is he referring to here? Yeah. And saying, well, it's not the one that my master intended, but it'll, it'll yield the same result. Yeah. Right, like, okay, well, that's it. I want to know more about that. 
Yep. Uh, okay, so then we get one. La- we'll cover one more scene here between Kay. Jill and Clive. Oh, I do want to throw in uh, one more line here from Mid um, when they're chasing after the Ein Heriar. Um, Mid is kind of standing at the helm of the ship. Uh, she's all the way at the front, and she um, she says this line: uh, "Let's see what this girl can do." Right? Mm, yep. And she's referring to her ship. The ship, yeah. But also maybe referring to herself. Yeah. Right? She's That's young. She hasn't done things like this before. This mm. is the big the big, big uh, moment. moment for her. I mean, mm. she's done big stuff, but like this is, you know, like we're attacking Odin. And anyways, it's going to be like dodge a massive like crater in the water that you are, can't get well, swept I think, into. I think she dodged one of his swipes too. Yes, like, that was good. And the whole ship just woo. Yeah, the whole ship. Like, yeah, that was pretty cool. Veers around it. Starboard side. Yeah, that was fun. Yep. Um, but yeah, she's referring to herself and the ship in that moment. So I always like it when you can work in lines that are saying two things at once. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, that's about it. So let's move on. Yeah, so uh, Jill basically oh, like, this scene. freezes yeah, yeah, a yeah, path. As the water's coming down on them to like Up, get them to ash. out of the water, yeah. So yeah. they literally run, however <laughs> far. It cuts to fades to black. Well, she says, "Don't look back." Freezing the freaking water so, the whole yeah. way, and that takes a huge yeah. toll on her. Um, hold on, we got a thing here from Tough Ham. Do you think it makes sense in terms of writing consistency that Barnabas didn't kill Jill? Uh, same thing with Kupka. <laughs> so um, dominance can't kill Jill. I think not. That's the I think answer. it makes sense that he didn't kill her. Earlier, he took her captive to draw Mythos back out, yes. right? To like come back and, but, but then like, he let her go here on on the ocean floor. I don't, yeah, probably right. That's why Alan is saying, but why that, why didn't he start cutting off Clive's reasons for living if that was his goal? Yeah, that that's a good point. And but he had sent Jill away, like, hey, run away as fast as you can. Let me fight him. Uh, but yeah. then she just comes back, <laughs> like, oh no, yes, Clive, <laughs> quickly, and then with the dog too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, they're, they're, they've gone to this, like, area of a rocky coast. Um, they're, they're on ash now. And um, yeah, let's see. How would I summarize this? Because I don't want to read the whole dialogue. I don't think no. it, it's necessary to do that. They're by the um, fire, and I'm guessing they're drying their clothes. <laughs> There's been because the clothes got wet. This has got to be. There's got to be some post action. I don't know. Maybe not. No, maybe I, this it is not seems right pre because they cut to well. Yeah. Well, yeah, it didn't seem like the right moment. But you're probably right. It Drying didn't feel. They had their backs to each other. It didn't feel intimate at the beginning. Yeah. I'm guessing they're drying it their clothes. Became That's my best that way guess. towards the end of the scene. Yes, the end of the scene when yeah. they finally commit to each other and they basically get married. Like he says, like, till death do us part, I will remain committed to you forever. Yeah, right. Like, whoa, that's a that's a big commitment right there. Or that's a big um thing to say. That's essentially marriage vow. Yeah. Um and then uh yeah. Um, that happens. Afterwards. But you know, again, we've kind of talked about this. I can't remember which podcast or if it was even the old podcast before he switched to this format, but about, um, you know, the use of nudity or sexuality. I think it was actually a topic we were going to do on the old podcast. Oh, and then we didn't. That's right. We had a whole Google doc of like topics. Yeah. But like, I I love how it's handled here with such maturity. Like, yeah, yeah. it's not really the point of the scene. Like you said, they're probably just drying their clothes or whatever, but like, it's like, it's there. But, like, 
<laughs> it's not like most anime where it'd be, oh sure. my gosh, it's like all embarrassing. And <laughs> like they like make a huge point You're about right, it actually. and like, I like point that it about out. The scene. Yeah, and yeah. it's I, I love she's all embarrassed how maturely like it's all handled and yeah. yeah, they're vulnerable is really what it's yeah representative yeah. of. Yeah, like they have been stripped naked in the sense that they have no idea how they can they 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 can't fight this guy right he has stripped them he has embarrassed them yes. multiple times now yeah, yeah right and they're just kind of in this place where like what do we even do now right that that is more the sense of the por- the point of them being naked in the scene yeah, yeah. not to to suggest something sexual right also that there is something to the idea of like their their what would you call it their E- e- feelings, their emotions ha- are, are laid are, bare. Are bare uh, yeah. That there's mm-hmm. no more avail betwixt betwixt the two. <laughs> uh, that, but it's it. There is at first because they aren't facing each other. Like they aren't. Um, they they are uh, maybe out of respect or not, but they are refusing to uncover one of the other's nakedness. <laughs> yeah. But they uh, eventually, as they keep talking, they they begin to voice their true feelings. Their their inner. Um, mind, you know, and that's essentially where they decide finally they like turn towards each other, you know, and it's like, oh, s- you know, sweet. This after 18 years or whatever. Um, yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's finally do this. We, thing. we, yeah. you like me, you like me, really? Yeah. Um, but at first it was, oh, I know what you need. I'm gonna give you what you need. I'm like, okay, that's a little interesting, like, um, you know, lead up to uh, to to sex, but. Then he get, takes her abilities, and I don't know why. I had yeah. never thought up to this point, like, whoa, we don't have Jill's abilities. Yeah. We could easily have we them. We haven't been given Has she not yet. blessed somebody? And it doesn't take anything from her, right? So, like, Well, that's the thing I'm confused well, about. Well, because Josh kind of gets upset, but yeah. That's the thing. We'll I don't go over think that it takes time. anything from them. But, like, he, he, Joshua gave the blessing willingly, and he still has Phoenix's powers. Yes. Benedicta, they were stolen from her. At first, she appeared she to no longer powers. have them. Well, but then she got them back. Exactly. So it maybe just abundance. some passage of time. And then, yeah. but he also did the same thing with Kupka with their first fight. And then he primes into Titan later and you fight him. So it doesn't yeah. appear that taking the blessing really takes away at all. I don't think their so. power as a dominant or icon, yeah. it, or if it does, it's for some very short period of time. So mm, she's still going to uh, be able to prime and, you know, use Shiva's power. It's just maybe she'll be weakened for some short period. So like, what is the drawback? They could have done the, this at the hideaway. They could have done this five years ago. Like yeah. they could have done this um, before, and it would have really kind of helped Clive to have more. Yeah, abilities. it, it, it begs know, the question: stuff. Why wasn't this done earlier? If yeah. the penalty, or if the, the, if there's no cons really for Jill, it's just like a, oh, you know, for a short while maybe. But she doesn't even like using the powers anyway. She only she only right, primes yeah, when she true. has to. She she hates it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like a curse. She considers it like a curse. So, I don't really know. But they haven't. She hasn't given him Shiva's blessing yet, which I was also like, yeah, like, uh-huh, why not? But, you know, he's he's yeah. sitting here being like, I can't beat this guy. I'm powerless against him. Well, maybe there's nothing for it then than to just give himself to your master, like he's saying, but I yeah. know you won't do that. Well, how do you know I won't do that? You don't really know me. Yes, I do. And she's like giving support. 
Right. Yeah. He also says, each time I summon the flames from within, I burn away the things that make me who I am. Yeah, that was a good line. I thought that was quite a good line. Yeah. Um, and this is essentially, he feels like when he reaches down into the shadow to like call forth this being, that he, the shadow kind of takes control over him. Not completely, not like before, but like a little bit. He's like embracing the, you know, the, the unconscious shadow. Uh, in a way that he doesn't really like feel comfortable with, I guess. But Jill understands it really well. He, he even uses the word monster, right? He says that I feel like I'm a monster sometimes. And, yep. and Jill, obviously, Jill had her whole thing. She knows exactly what that feels like. Yeah. Uh, Rob here is saying, the blessing of the Phoenix is a low-power version, like 20, 10 to 20%. What Clive takes is much higher. How are you coming well, to that what conclusion? What about Jill? What about what Jill gives? Yeah. So like, when you take, you get more, but when it gets yeah. given freely, you how, get less. How do you? How did you? How did you uh, come to that conclusion? Like, is that an ATL thing? Um, because it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be the way. At least in the gameplay, it doesn't because the freaking Phoenix powers are still the best powers in the game. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. With like, the wings and go- yeah, yeah. I've actually been kind of disappointed. It's a bit of a tangent, but like it's it's like with each new icon after Ramu, like I I, I do like the Titan. Abilities. I think yeah. they're pretty good in combat, but I did not like Bahamut's at all. Oh, I thought right. Bahamut's kind of sucked. Hmm. And then Odin's are cool looking, no, but like I guess I we're getting much. ahead of yeah, a I little bit. But like or anything, they don't stun enemies. They don't like. Uh, uh, they just kind of eat the damage and continue to attack you. So mm-hmm. I didn't really like those as much. And then Shiva's powers too. I just kind of like, yeah, these are just not as good. So I've hmm. just kind of stuck with Garuda. Phoenix and, and Shiva, or not Shiva, um, Ramu. I, I think Rama. that yeah, Rama. I think that those are the best ones. I've just, I'm totally happy with just sticking with those three. But anyway, uh, I guess we'll get an answer here a little bit later. But uh, um, Chocolate Rob said that it was his own observation. Oh, his own observation. Okay. Uh, okay. So it's a nice scene. They're 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 kind of finally, you know, taking down their barriers again. Another reason for the yeah. nakedness, right? between each other and yeah, fully yeah. committing to each other. She willingly yeah. gives him the blessing of Shiva. Um, uh, this burden, I'll give you the strength to bear it alone, she says, but I'm not alone. These burdens I carry, my sins, my pain, my sorrow, I see now that they are all part of me. Accepting the shadow is kind of yes. what I saw in that, very right? Nice, very nice. If I'm to continue on having pledged my life to those I love, then I will gladly bear your burdens too until my last breath. Uh, Clive, I promise you, Jill, we will find a way to escape this fate, find a way to save each other, that we might one day look upon the moon again together. You get that shot of the moon. <clears throat> and then she promises him. Yeah, well, I, I had a question about that. We will one day look at the moon together. Yeah. Like, it's right now? <laughs> it's right, <laughs> like right there? At, like at this moment? Yeah. Or, or no, I, at first I was like, oh, maybe the skies are cloudy still and like you can't see the moon. But... Like you can, and it's shown a couple times after this. So, yeah. like, I don't know what they're talking about. I think they mean let us look at the moon without a care, without troubles. Okay. But the way it's said is like, oh, one day we'll finally get to see the moon again. Like, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then it's right then. It's, it's literally, it's right, literally there. right now. Yeah. Uh, she also talks about, you know, you, you spent your whole life being concerned about saving others, but you never really took care of yourself. And, yeah, yeah. You, know, you need to learn to do that better. <clears throat> it's a good scene. Um, I don't really have 
much more other than that as far as notes go. No, it wasn't. Oh, I do like how he says, I never thought a smile could bring me so much joy at the end. Oh, that was good. That was cool. That a lot. That was cool, yeah. And then the next morning, the Enterprise arrives and takes them back to the highway. Again, they're like, yeah, let's just go back to the highway instead of continuing to, it's like, how much time does it take to get all the way back there (laughs) and come all the way back again? But we've already gone on that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Anyway, that's it. That's all okay. I got for this week. We're we're getting we're getting close. I think we're getting, we're getting fairly further. close to the end of the game. Next time we'll kill Odin, which is I've already done. You're getting close to that now. Yeah. And then uh, there, there's like a ton of side quests, and then there's kind of the last stretch of the game. Is from, from what I hear, we're getting Sick. we're getting there. All so right. uh, anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace out.